0: You're listening to Coding Blocks, episode 147. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you like to find your podcasts. And hey, if you can, leave us a review. Uh, but I guess it's only iTunes that allows that anymore. I, I don't. I don't get it.
1: Well, uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm all throwing off my game now. Sorry, I'm uh, so, so bummed about derailed. That. But, uh, if you go to codingblocks.net, you can find show notes, example discussion, and a bunch of other links. And uh, you can also send your feedback, questions, and rants to comments at codingblocks.net.
2: Yep. And you can follow us on Twitter at codingblocks, Facebook, also facebook.com slash codingblocks, or head to www.codingblocks.net and find all our social links there at the top of the page. With that, I'm Alan Underwood. I'm Joe Zach. And I'm Miguel Bendito.
0: I forgot that I've been wanting to just share that one for a while.
1: That's pretty excellent.
0: Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Command Line Heroes, a podcast that tells the epic true tales of developers, programmers, hackers, geeks, and open source rebels who are revolutionizing the technology landscape. And educative.io. Learn in-demand tech skills without scrubbing through videos, whether you're just beginning your developer career. Preparing for an interview or just looking to grow your skill set. And X matters. Keep your digital services up and running from IT to DevOps to emergency notifications. Everyone needs speed, automation, and reliability when things go wrong. So, Joseph <laughs> Underwood, you're supposed to bring us in here, Joseph Underwood. Oh, oh man. Yeah. I'm going to put Jay Z there. Yeah, but it didn't. And guess what? It's Boom. no, 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 no. You can't do that. <laughs>
2: yeah. Okay.
0: Whatever. All right. So here we go.
2: We're going to talk about in this episode what we're excited about in this coming year. All right. And, and with that miserable failure, let's move on to the news section here.
0: Yeah, so like we said last time, pour one out for stitcher reviews. I guess that's no longer a thing anymore. And I'm wondering like how much longer is Apple going to do it? You Apple think the same will?
2: thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: I wonder like if that's gonna be on the chopping block. Um but hey, while we can wow. uh share the the uh you know reviews w- with everybody, uh you know, we will continue to do so. And so from iTunes, we have eight-bit toaster, not respond. And master
1: Roll. <laughs> that was well done. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, like I really thought you cut out there. For that was awesome.
0: <laughs> I think that's how that one's supposed to be. That's how, like in my mind, how I I read it. For those that, that didn't catch it, it it almost looks like it's supposed to be like no response, but it's not. Res- and then I guess like the beginning of response. Just cut off. That's cool.
1: All right. Well, hey, uh, I got to say, too, we did an episode about Game Jams uh, last last uh, episode, and now we're actually doing a Game Jam, and we have dates, and we have a sign-up form, so you can go and sign up for our first-ever Game Jam. It's uh, January 21st to the 24th, and if you go to cookingbox.net slash events, and we've got a big link there, and you can go and uh, sign up. It's going to be on itch.io, and it's going to be super awesome.
2: Yeah. And we've got du- double digit subscribers or people that are planning on doing this already. And I think the three of us were even talking about taking that time off. So yeah, th- it should yep. be a good time. And, and I've never done any game development whatsoever. So don't let that hinder you. If you're like, yo, I'm not, uh, I haven't done any video game development.
0: I haven't. I don't think outlaw have you. Video game development? I mean, yeah. other than the the one thing that we talked about last episode, you know, for a class in, right. in school, and that was it. So Jay-Z is the know, only – And one. I wouldn't even consider that like, you know, quote, game development. It was just like, you know, the premise of it was something of a game, but it was really more just learning to, you know, draw on the screen.
2: Totally. So Jay-Z, you're the only one with any sort of real-world – development with games because i know you've done the rogue stuff you've done some youtube videos and that kind of stuff so so don't let that deter anybody if you have any bit of interest in this definitely come join us it should be
1: fun yeah i mean if you're a joe hack or a a john carmack either way uh, come on in and have some fun (laughs) excellent All right, Uh, so uh, I guess we're we're talking about stuff uh, that we're excited about uh, getting into next year. We tend to do episodes like this. We've done it a few times. And, uh, you know, like I'm just done with 2020. I don't even care about it anymore. I'm not even thinking about it anymore. So I'm thinking about what's next. And, uh, you know, that's what we're doing today. So here are the things that I am excited about uh, coming up next year and I want to do more of. And the first is uh, I've got this kind of set up in categories. So my first category is... Interactive events. And one thing that uh, the year that should not be named uh, has taught me is that uh, online meetups just kind of aren't enough in my opinion. So, uh, you know, there were a lot of people staying home. There were a lot of events that moved online. There were a lot of conferences uh, that did that. And the thing is, if there's no interactivity with the audience, then you might as well be watching YouTube, right? And I can watch YouTube on my own time. There's no incentive for me to go – and join your midup if I don't get something out of being there live. So if I can ask questions, if I can interact with the people or discussion group or something like that, then that's fine. But if I'm just watching a video, I'm going to do it while I'm walking the dogs. I'm not going to sit there. Uh, so uh, I'm very interested in that kind of thing. And um, I think a lot of people got that memo. And so I think we're going to see a lot of events getting better. We've already seen some of the events that happened this year I had a lot more interact- interactivity. And not just chat rooms, but also ways to kind of interact either by voting or um, I forget um, Confluent did a lot of really cool stuff at uh, the Kafka conference and uh, it was just really cool and so uh, I'm hoping to see more of that kind of stuff and also kind of along that vein, I'm really interested in streaming, Uh, so I've been doing some stuff on Twitch, learning in public, Uh, game jams, of course, we mentioned at the top of the show, we we talked about it last episode And then, yeah, I just kind of talked about the direction I think things are going to go. And so I think it's going to be really interesting. And I think that this year has shown us that we can do really cool, interactive, better experiences for people all around the world, not just limited to our individual areas. Because meetups are great. But I do really think that the whole big benefit of going to meetups in your area is about the networking, not so much about the content.
2: So it sounds like we need to like host some sort of webinar or something. Like I, I know we do some of these virtual meetups, but like that's one thing I always liked about webinars is you might be talking about and teaching on a particular subject, but it does encourage some interactivity, right? Like, hey, if you have a question, raise your hand, pop in here, whatever. So
0: yeah, I like that. Well, there's a couple things uh, that come to mind. One, we used to. We haven't done one in a long time. So I guess I could say we used to do it or maybe we still do it and we just haven't done it in a long time. But uh, where we would have the um, – uh, I don't even remember what we called them now. The community? The community up. talks. Yeah. yeah. We did those. Those were fun, which I think those yeah. are kind of similar maybe a little bit to what you're talking about. But the one that I think is super on par with what you're talking about, uh, Joe, that we did at the beginning of the year were um, the – the live streaming that you and I did where we would like get a topic like, um, uh, I think we did Apache drill, right? Yeah, that was and, really cool. And we just dove in and started like, okay, let's figure out like, what can we do with this thing? You know? And, uh, that was a lot of fun. Like it was, you know, neither of one of us had any like real, you know, uh, production level experience with it. We we're just like, okay, I've heard about this thing. I, you know, know a little bit about, you know, surface level, what this thing is. Let's, let's make it do some stuff. And, you know, that was kind of neat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I got a lot out of it. There's something about um kind of having the interaction that makes you learn more. They kinda people in the audience will ask questions that like maybe you kind of took for granted or maybe you haven't thought about and sometimes they'll lead you in a different direction. That makes you, it just kinda challenges you. And so uh, I want to figure out how to do that. And you know, obviously like, you know, we do a podcast, so like this is kind of something that's been our domain forever, but I always kind of assume that like if you're listening to the podcast, you're probably walking a dog or you're probably uh, you know, commuting or or doing something else. And so I think that this is the first time that some of those other events and other you know meetups and things have kind of had to deal with that, and you know have have struggled to kind of come up with ways to interact with people and make those events special and so uh you know i'm I'm just interested to see what's what's coming up and I don't know maybe one day one of these days we'll be uh twitching the episodes a <laughs> six figure developer did it uh, happened the other day.
2: They'd oh really? Oh, that's right. You know what? I actually did that with them. When whenever I did the episode, I actually wasn't for the six figure developer. It was for their Saint Pete meetup group, though, and they did that on Twitch. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting.
0: So you tell me, I get to go buy new hardware for the live Twitch. So yeah, I'll go ahead.
1: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you're heartbroken.
0: <laughs> oh, I get to shop for new hardware. Oh, yeah, man.
1: All right, so that was my first uh, my first big bolt in there was just uh, interactive events like how to do them, how to participate, how to make them happen. Um, my second one is uh, just kind of pushing more into DevOps and SRE type realms. And uh, this is not this is not a career goal. This is like what I want to be doing, uh, you know, on the streams or uh, on the weekends or these are the things I want to be playing with. And uh, it's kind of hard because with with DevOps and SRE stuff, it's like you. You can't really do that. You know, it doesn't really make sense to do that stuff alone in a bedroom. You know, this is like cloudy type things or things that require scale or lots of services, and it doesn't really make sense to to do that in the same way. It's not so personal as is like say a website or something. Uh, but there's so many really great tools, especially in Kubernetes. I mean, like any word that starts with the K, there is a library out there or a tool or a plugin or a management suite that works with Kubernetes that starts with the letter K.
2: Hey, by the way, let's back up real quick on this. For people that are not familiar with what SRE is, that's Site Reliability Engineer, yes? Yep. Okay, yeah. So um, for anybody out there, that's people that are sort of responsible for keeping your application
1: alive. So. (laughs) uh, Yeah, and it it ties into a lot of things that we talked about, like um, telemetry, um, observability, uh, you know, just being more in touch with the, the data and operations of your systems. And I think there's a lot of really cool stuff to do in there. Like, so I want, like if I'm going to be playing around with something on a stream, like I want it to be uh Grafana or Prometheus or I don't know, something kind of dealing with one of these realms. And Like last year, remember I, I set a big goal, of, like working more with streaming systems. And uh, I got a, a lot out of that at the beginning of the year. So I was working with like beam and Kafka and, and with drill. We did the drill stuff. I guess that, that's not really streaming, but That was kind of part of that effort. Uh, I did some stuff with GraphQL subscription. So basically just trying to kind of go after things that were streaming. And so this year, it's like this is kind of the theme I want to go after. And uh, Kubernetes is a huge part of that. And also testing. So performance testing, integration. And so it's going to be a challenge because it's hard to do that stuff on your own. But uh, I just want to spend some more time playing in the ecosystem. So things like Chaos Mesh or, um, you know, just some of the cool tools I hear about with Kubernetes all the time. Uh, and that, um, I've kind of got like a, a week, a sort called a soft goal of getting the CCAD, uh, which I forget what it stands for. Certified Kubernetes administrator. Um, is it administrator? Ah, I can't remember now. Uh, oh, I found it certified Kubernetes application developer. Application developer. Okay. Yeah. Like, I just think, it'd be cool. like, I, um, and for me, like, I don't want to be a Kubernetes developer for the next five years. Like, that's not like part of my big career path, but I want to be strong in this stuff. I want to be able to sit down and diagnose a problem without thinking about or tripping or stumbling on the technologies. Like, I just want to be really fluent and have this just as like a something in my pocket for when I need it.
2: You know, it, not to go too off on a side tangent here. I know that Outlaw, you had mentioned that you would love to do like a, a series on Kubernetes. And I'm totally down with that because I think in short for me, because I've heard people say that oh, Kubernetes is overkill, right? You don't need Kubernetes or, or whatever. It, I don't know about you guys, but one of the reasons why I really... Really like Kubernetes is because they have prescribed ways of doing so many things like log gathering, you know, something that's almost always a mess in applications that people will sort of home grow or build over years, right? Like this logs over here, that logs over here. Where's it going? How's it getting gathered? You know, how do I find this stuff? Like in Kubernetes, there is a way that that's done and it's. And you just kind of get it for free just for using their environment, right? And it, and so like there's so many little, I don't even know if you call them intangibles, but so many things that you sort of get just by buying into that ecosystem that I don't necessarily buy it that it's overkill. I almost say I buy it because it standardizes the way you have to think about your applications. And so you just kind of do things right because you're sort of forced into that that world
1: yeah and i agree with that and i think um, that kubernetes is going to mature a lot you know really fast it's going to keep going and i think it's there now i think it's production ready like obviously lots of companies are doing things with that and uh you know many many tens of thousands or a uh, hundred thousand plus pod uh environments and they're doing great with it and that's all good but i think that there's still a a, a lot of room in the ecosystem to make things and kubernetes approachable and easy uh for people and there's um I know, uh, Linode is doing really good things. Um, DigitalOcean, of course, GKE, Amazon, all the different services are making it easier and more accessible and cheaper to get started with Kubernetes. And so I think we're just going to s- continue to see that trend. So I think we're going to see like things like Heroku spin up where you can, you know, type these three commands and be running up in Kubernetes. And uh, I want to be well, kind of <laughs> closer to the crest of that wave. I think it's probably, <laughs> you know, like it's accepted. We're not exactly on the cutting edge of, you know, like, you know, you don't have to explain what Kubernetes is anymore at this point. I think, but I do think it's still early enough there to to do some good stuff.
0: Would you say that Kubernetes is the new Docker? I mean, since Docker is the new Git, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
2: there's probably an article coming. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I will tell you. I think I might have mentioned this when back when the Microsoft MVP Summit was actually in person, which wasn't this year, but the previous. At the time they were talking about high availability SQL Server. And one of the first things the guy said when he was talking was like, do you, how many people in this room knows Kubernetes? Right. And it's a room full of SQL Server people, like it's, it's data engineers and data administrators and that kind of thing. And almost nobody <laughs> raised their hand. And he's like, if you don't know it, get with the program and know it because it's the future of everything that everybody's doing. And this was somebody at Microsoft working on Azure platform, you know, like go all in on this. So, you know, when, when you have companies out there like AWS that has their own Kubernetes offering, Azure, I'm sure everybody does now because it won. (laughs) I mean, that's, it was basically Docker swarm or that. And I think there were a few other competing technologies, but it's not even close. So. Yeah. Any rate, um, didn't want to go too far off on that, but the, it, there are more reasons than just hey, it's the cool new thing. There's a lot of good reasons
1: to even consider it. Yeah, and think about this too. Like, uh, so if you're an application developer, I think a lot of people still think of Kubernetes as being just the thing that runs your code, but uh, there's really a lot more opportunity here. Like, if you think about uh, operators, and so like, uh, you know, I, I'm not equipped to really give a good definition of what an operators if you've never seen one before. But a kind of basic example is that an operator is an abstraction. It's not like a kind of a, a custom uh custom object that you can add into your Kubernetes environment. And you can do things like uh issue custom commands. So like if you have a database operator, then you can uh issue an, an a command to do a backup, for example, or to add a node, or do these things and uh it abstracts away what's happening uh, underneath. And so as an application developer, I just imagine like, wow, if my application had an operator, I could create all these custom hooks to to let the people who use my application do the, all these really cool, big, heavy architectural things and control my application from Kubernetes. Like, I, I want to know how way. to do that. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. can just kind of hand the keys over and see you later.
0: Yeah, when you want to, like, kubectl, uh, back up Jay-Z's cool app, then it's always going to be backed up the same way. Right. Yeah. Right. And I
2: think to to paint a little bit more detail there, because he said it's abstracted away, what he means is like, I know that you've looked at the crunchy data operator outlaw. And typically when you go to back up a database, there might be a whole slew of steps that really happen if you're going to do it manually. Right. Like take the database offline, disconnect all the users, uh, you know, um, move some data files here, do this, do this, do this. That, what he's saying, that's abstracted away. Basically, all those steps get run for you programmatically behind the scenes, but the only thing you had to say was backup database, right? And then it's going to go do, you know, steps A through Z and then move back into where it was. So it gives you that, that freedom to sort of wrap things in a nice, pretty way so that you don't have to, you don't have to worry about the details behind it. That's all been worked out for you in a programmatic, repeatable way.
0: Well, that's only coming at it from the, the command line execution of it though too, because I was thinking of it from the point of view of like, take like a, a Strimzy operator for Kafka, right? Like go back to, go back to, uh, you know, in a world where you have to define a topic, you know, where you had to define your Kafka topic. Uh, and you didn't have like a declarative way to do that. Right. Like, you know, right. uh, you know, think of the commands that you would use to enter like that. If you didn't want to like create the topic through your application, right? Like you wanted to create the topic independent of your application, then, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of commands that you ended up doing that. And, you know, things to like set, like what you want the replication factor to be, or, uh, you know, the, the, um, retention policy and the cleanup policy, things like that. Um, but with the, with something like a Strimzy operator, you could just like say a kind, you know, or, you know, specify like declaratively like, Hey, here is my, here's, here's the description of what my topic looks like. And then that operator, when you apply it, it's just like, Oh, I, I know what to do with this, all of this. info, all of these details, I know how to, you know, make that work. And so, so it's not just about the, Oh, Hey, I want to back up my database. Here's the command to back up that database. And it has, and it does all the necessary steps. Like you were describing. It's also like, just being a declaratively define a thing. Yeah.
2: So obviously Jay-Z hit on a topic that we all kind of like a lot. here. So, uh, And we may have some episodes in the future, but it, yeah, it's definitely a hot topic.
1: Yeah, for sure. And so I just, I want to have that in my pocket. Like I want to know more about that stuff. And that just, it just seems like a good time in the world to be doing that. So going after that, um, So, that was uh, so the first one was interactive events. Second one was like kind of DevOpsy type stuff, particularly, you know, Kubernetes. And my third one is Python, um, which I've gotten to the point that, you know, maybe I'll feel differently about it where like learning a new language isn't that exciting to me. Like, uh, you know, it's it's a different syntax, cool. It's got ifs and some cool novelty type stuff, but it's just the types of applications I can build with it. So, uh, I want to build that muscle with Python. I want to spend more time in that ecosystem because I want to know more about the things that are in that ecosystem that make it special so um that particularly you know like machine learning and um even just basic statistics which isn't a python thing that's just a math thing i should be able to say like pull our youtube stats and podcast stats and website stats and mix them together and pull out some insights like it's it's kind of crazy to me that i've never really thought to do that <laughs> especially like learn more about python i kind of start seeing like these are the kinds of problems that people are solving with Python. And this is what they're doing with it. I have this information. Why aren't I doing this? This is crazy, but it's because this is an area I'm weak. in. so I tend to not even think of problems in this way. And I want to fix that. So I want to, I want to build up some of that mathematical, uh, kind of muscle so that when I have a problem in the real world that I want to address, I have the vocabulary to like address it and go after it in the way that makes sense to do it. Yeah. I mean, I,
0: I definitely, uh, you know, a few years back how I was going through the big kick of machine learning and, and Python, you guys m- might recall. And you're right. Like there, there are definitely things with Python where like, you know, to your point about like, why don't I think about doing any of this stuff in like C sharp? And part of that is just because like there are libraries for whatever reason, Python became popular for this particular use. And so now there are like all these great libraries out there, uh, numpy pandas matplotlib lib you know that can that can just easily do you know like oh hey here's a whole uh you know here's a couple of vectors and like just give me all the stats on these two things so, like crunch these things together and tell me what's what right now off the top of your head tell me a similar library for c sharp
1: ml.net hey that was good
0: well, wow. no, but that, but but no, no, no. ML dot yeah, would be like comparing, stuff. like yeah. that would be like comparing like a scikit learn PiS4 or or, or something like Not, that, right? Not yeah. like, yeah. So that's the, PyTorch that's the difference. Pytorch is what I was thinking.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't.
0: Yeah, or, a I don't, pi, or I don't comparing don't it know. to like a Pytorch. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. That that would that would be the equivalent to comparing machine learning libraries. But I'm talking about just from like the basic statistics kind of stuff that that Joe mentioned. Like that's where you know the the things that you can do with pandas and NumPy and Matplotlib that are just you know, give me an equivalent in another one. But language, you
2: know, right? in fairness, I think this is kind of what Jay-Z was getting at though, is like, he said that he hasn't developed that muscle there. It may be that those libraries do exist, but because he hasn't gone after looking at solving problems in that particular way, right? Like, it, it, it reminds me of our interview episode where, where we talked about interviewing at big companies, right? Like they attack you with, with math problems, more or less, right? It's, it's data structure and math problems. And so if you're going to interview at these companies, you're going to study those type of problems. And so you're going to get familiar with a lot of that kind of stuff. But in, in your day to day, like I, the three of us work at a lot of big data type stuff and we work in, in some DevOpsy type stuff. So those aren't things that we're going after, right? So it might be. Outlaw that those libraries exist, but I would
0: have no clue because I I
2: don't look for them.
0: You know. Well, I mean, you're you're probably uh you know on the right track, right? Where there's like we as a community probably think of certain certain tools and languages to solve a specific kind of problem, right? Right. You know, if if I if I talked to you about creating anything with uh you know interaction on a web page, you're immediately just going to like jump to JavaScript, right? Yep, and even though maybe there's some things that you could do in CSS, but you're going to, you know, the three of us, were probably going to jump more to JavaScript. than we're going to do anything than anything else first. And then, uh, you know, it's not until somebody says, Oh, Hey, you know what? Uh, we could just do some refactoring here, pull the JavaScript engine out of Chrome. And now we could run JavaScript on the server side. And then you're like, Whoa, mind blown. Now I can use it for something else. Right. And so it's kind of similar to, you know, what you're talking about with Python and, and, uh, statistics and machine learning type of, of libraries that are out there where it's like, you know, that, that's what a lot of people are using it for. And that's where, you know, it's not the only thing that's used for, but you know, that's where a lot of people think of it, you know, it, it's kind of become synonymous. Yeah. At least in, in what, you know, among the circle of people that I, I know, it seems like that's been the, the trend.
1: Yeah, it's a good avenue for it. So I know that so many of the things that I kind of want to solve and want to know, like, you know, say, for example, uh, what, what time of day or what day is our best to release YouTube videos? These are the little things that I care about that I can totally figure out. And the math isn't hard. Like, it feels like, uh, you know, uh, maybe there's a standard deviation in there. But for the most part, it's really just kind of getting data, slicing it up, you know, getting, like comparing on a real basic bar chart. Sounds like a and simple And this all statement. things I know how to do. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I can totally do that in the database. There's nothing stopping me. However, um, what Python is going for is like there are a thousand billion articles that would love to show me how to set that up and get it started and do it in five seconds, you know? Yep. So, And it's good yep. for other stuff too. The
0: visualizations that you can just so easily do with it it's related ridiculous. to the statistics uh, type operations that you're talking about are just – so awesome, and that and that's where it's like, okay, even if I did find another library in C Sharp where I could like maybe compute those results, now like let me find something else that I can visualize it too. And there might be some plumbing. I'm not going to say that there's not that you know that Microsoft or other developers for C Sharp specifically picking on C Sharp, you know, haven't developed. But I mean, just the power of just like, oh, hey, I could just spin up a notebook and. I can do this. Right. And by the way, like that's the thing I love. I don't even have to host the notebook. <laughs>
1: right. Yep. Oh, that
0: was so bad. Oh, that reminds me. Oh man, pour one out. So, uh, sorry, derail for a moment, but <laughs> we, we talked about, uh, like this was a tip of mine a while back and, uh, let me see if I can find it. I think it was like notebooks.azure.com. Mm-hmm. There, Microsoft is going to retire it. January 15th, 2021. It was such a beautiful thing. Notebooks.azure.com. And what you could do is you could go into there, you could sign up and, uh, you know, you could, you could create a new notebook. And then while you have that notebook, you could get a command line interface to it. If you wanted to do whatever you needed from the command line, you could add and install additional Python packages. Um, plus you could, you could import, uh, notebooks or code from a GitHub repository like you could literally sync it to notebooks.azure.com and work with everything there such a beautiful thing as well as like commit back to GitHub. Uh, I did that a few times and it was great cuz like I said that was the beauty of the notebook right like you didn't have to host it. And uh they're 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 going to retire it January 15th 2021 and all user data will be destroyed. Hey, but but
2: there is a link on that page that links somewhere else. I'm putting it in our resources, so it'll be in the show notes. So definitely check that out. It'll be codingblocks.net slash episode 147. But they do have alternatives, which is pretty interesting. So they are sunsetting this, but on notebooks.azure.com slash content slash alternatives, there are now notebooks in Visual Studio Code. GitHub code spaces beta, Azure machine learning, Azure lab services, and GitHub. So they do have alternatives in place for this. So, you know, um, pour one out for the other, but, you know, spring five new ones, it looks like. So,
0: well, I, I guess what I mean though is that like, like I already have a, a bunch of notebooks up there that right. I just imagined like, oh, like I'm going to keep making notebooks and this, this will be where I have them forever. And now it's like, I got a mug. So check it out. They
2: actually said using VS code, you can develop and run note- notebooks against remotes and containers to make the transition easier from Azure notebooks. We have made the container image available so it can use with VS code too. So it sounds like they're at least trying to make it less painful for anybody who has taken the time to create them like you have.
0: Yeah. I just haven't taken the time to like <clears throat> read through their process to, to. Right migrated out. So that that's that's going to be the the rub and it, and it is a shame to see it go like I don't know why they're cuz it was such a great service. I mean, it was so
1: awesome, but yeah. Cool. All right, yeah, derailment
0: uh done. We're back on track.
1: Yeah, all right. So the last item is uh just another one for fun. Uh, I I definitely like uh, having a little bit of variety and so uh, I wanted to have something in here that was just like heavy emphasis on creativity and uh i don't think it'll be a surprise to anyone you know we talked about this last episode but uh game development i think um there's uh, something to said for building that muscle too and i definitely found with uh the last uh game i just uh completed uh which you know i put a game in quotes because not very fun uh to play but <laughs> the the fact that i was able to get it up and going and having uh kind of like a full experience with like a start screen and an end screen and uh, you know, wind conditions and whatnot. Um, it just was much easier to do because I've messed with this so many times, and so I want to keep going down that path. And so I dream of the one day, you know, being able to sit down for I don't know three hours and make something that's kind of a cool prototype that I could actually have some fun with. And so I, I uh, I'm gonna want I, I'm wanting to invest in that skill more, I guess. Cool. And you you called out two specific ones. You know I mentioned them here. Oh, Did yeah. So, um, so Pygame goes along with the, you know, the Python theme. And I, re- I really have enjoyed the time I've spent with Python, uh, and Pygame specifically, uh, in the last month, but there's a huge problem with it. And, uh, it's Python. So
0: <laughs> I was going to say, it's not C sharp.
1: <laughs> well, so it's not even just that. So it's not easy for me to get that into a browser, is the real problem. So it looks like there's a couple, um, projects that will, kind of help you do that but it's you're going off into the woods you know there's dragons there and so there's not an easy way that i can see there's no like point and click or double click or add this config to get your code running in like web assembly for example so if i want to distribute my thing i've got to uh, compile it down to an executable upload it somewhere and then everyone who tries to download it to run is going to get this big scary windows error message telling them absolutely do not run (laughs) this application from some yahoo on the internet and that's totally fair because you know I could do all sorts of garbage in there, but it just makes it really hard to distribute games in this kind of era. Like I don't have a you know Windows certified developer license. I don't want to pay hundreds of dollars every year to sign my executables. Uh, and so, as much as I like Pygame, Unity is just such a dominant player in this uh, in the landscape, and it's also super good and it's C sharp and it's got an asset store and it's polished and there's a million tutorials and it's really amazing. And so I, you know, I don't know that I'm necessarily going to bounce back to unity because I've got such a hard emphasis on Python, but man, unity is such a good choice for this. I'm
0: not going to lie. When it comes
1: to this game jam, like I'm, I'm probably going
0: to just unity all the things. And that's as far as I want to go. Like I, like, I feel like I would already be starting from such a, a, uh, deficit, you know, in, in regards to creating games and, and like that kind of, kind of whole mindset that I'm like, okay, maybe, you know, if this thing is like, uh, you know, you can kind of like point and click your way around and, and doing, you know, you can kind of get started with it. Cause, cause one thing really specific to the game dev that I was thinking about the other day is I was like, you know, I think that for all of my art, I would prefer just straight up eight bit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like I want that. But then I was like, oh, but isn't that Minecraft? And then I was like, <laughs> yeah. and then I thought, then I thought, hey, wait a minute, because I was looking at like an eight bit uh, like uh, pa- ghost from Pac Man, and I'm like, that takes too much effort to draw that to actually make it look eight bit too, like on yeah, yeah. on you know, given the equipment we have today. So I'm like, oh no. Programmer art all the way. Like this is just <laughs> going to be like, you know, weird. You, you remember – do you remember – uh what's the name of the – don't kick the baby from South Park. What's the baby the, – the, the little brother's name? But you know how like his – how his head moves when he talks? Like it's oh, like his his head jumping. splits in half yeah. when yeah. he's talking, right? Like, that's the kind of art that I'm thinking about for mine, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Playing so, head. Yeah, I would definitely say, uh, I mean, a a fantastic strategy for this upcoming Game Jam, if you've never done this before, is just pick a Unity tutorial that looks like fun and start working through it. And whenever you feel comfortable, jump off the path and add your own custom images in and, you know, adapt to the theme. Done. And you'll have a great time. You'll learn a lot. And it's it's legit. It's good.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, my my son he was interested in game development, and uh, he he played around with Unity over the summer and was you know using using their platform and going through their tutorials and whatnot and and building little games. So, um, I mean, they do have a lot of information out there, and and they have done a good job of trying to like just simplify the experience for you that, you know, you can, you can get started with, you know, uh, you don't have to like master the unreal game engine in order to be able to create a game.
1: Yep. Oh yeah. And it's totally free. So, uh, you know, there's some advanced features that you can pay for if you want to, but if this is your first game, like you are not going to miss those advanced features. I promise you. That reminds me a while.
0: That reminds me, uh, I forgot to give credit to him because, uh, in the last episode, you know, I, I gave you guys the joke about, uh, why didn't four ask out five? Do you remember that one? Mm-hmm. Because he was too squared. And I, I thought it was like, it was, it was so, uh, you ever know. like, Alan, you might be able to relate. Like sometimes it's just, you could see like how, uh, like, I guess sweet or innocent your kids are, you know, with like some of the things they do, like, he tells me this joke, he gives me this joke, but he's like, hey, I I didn't find it. I didn't make it up though. So, you know, I found that on the internet. Uh, I didn't make it up. So, you know, just so the whole internet knows, like, A, he told me that joke and B, he he did not make it up. So
2: he was good enough to not try to take credit for it. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. You've raised a nice moral kid, man. Yeah. That's that's well, at least what's one. going
0: on there. At least. One. Yeah, what? Yeah, totally. <laughs> this episode of Coding Blocks is supported by Command Line Heroes. Command Line Heroes is a podcast that tells the epic true tales of developers, programmers, hackers, geeks, and open source rebels who are revolutionizing the technology landscape.
1: We got a sneak preview of season six of Command Line Heroes. And season, f- <laughs> season six focuses on black technologists, and here's what we thought. So, uh, do you remember when you first saw Jurassic Park? That was a bit a minute. I'm talking about the first movie came out uh, a number of years ago. Yeah, when you see those dinosaurs for the first time. Exactly. And uh, the doctor there, who's who's kind of uh, mirroring the emotions that I felt at the time, at least, uh, sees these dinosaurs for the first time, and the music swells, and he's just stunned. And it was a super traumatic scene. What we may have forgotten about it, or just not really thought about it in a while is this one of the first movies that really made a lot of use of uh, digital effects, which was still kind of a novelty and new at the time, and that was made possible by Silicon Graphics, which was a huge company at the time and just absolutely changed the landscape for movies and a bunch of other industries. Well, guess what? Command Line Heroes has an episode all about Dr. Mark Hanna, who was a pioneer of rendering hardware that... Uh, was a big part of that revolution. He served as the chief scientist and architect for the earliest machines of Silicon Graphics, Inc. And it powered generation of 3D graphics at NASA and flight simulators and movie effects like Jurassic Park. And it's one of the first major motion pictures to make use of uh, extensive use of digital effects. And uh then, of course, you know, the rest is history. We can think uh, there never would have been a, a Titanic or an Avatar or... I mean, every movie now, it's, it's, uh, no, none of the new Transformers. It just goes on and on and on. But oh, it was man. just a, a great episode. you got to check it out.
0: You can't take away my Transformers. Like, now, now you've gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, search for Command Line Heroes anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Uh, we'll have a link to them in our show notes. And our thanks to Command Line Heroes for their support. All right, so on to my list of things that I
2: am looking forward to. I guess in 2021. Uh, first off, if it would just kick 2020 out, then I'd be happy already. So, uh, my first one is .NET five. So we've talked about our love for C sharp over the years, right? Anybody that's been with us knows that we all have this this bit of of true love for .NET. And I really like what they're doing with this.
0: Wait, I really? Think, we did? Like on Coding Blocks, uh, d- Yeah, right, <laughs> .py, <at>, uh,
2: .js. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think, and I, I, don't, I, I don't really know totally how I feel about the entire thing. So first off, .NET 5 seems like the wrong name to me. But whatever, I'll go with it because they went from .NET Framework, 4.0, seven dot whatever, right? And then they had .NET Core 2 and 3, and now they're just like, well, let's just make it 5. And it's like, okay, I guess. So the naming doesn't really make much sense to me, but I do like what they're trying to do, right? Like they have this, we've talked about it before, this isn't the Microsoft that we grew up with, right? Like they're embracing this world where everybody's sort of like on whatever platform they want to be on, and they want to be there with you right? For the developer, hey, you want to write something that'll run on Mac? Cool, do it. You want to write something that runs on Windows? We want that too. You want it on Linux? Sure, cool. And so that's kind of like what this evolution is, right? .NET 5 is this next step in that direction. And they'd already been doing that with .NET Core, right? Now, the next step though is Windows applications or, you know, visual applications, UIs and that type of stuff. And so they're trying to make it. It's basically what Java was with Swing and SwingX and all that kind of stuff, right? They're trying to take it that way to where you can just write your application. And I think more or less using Xamarin and deploy this out to whatever platform you want. And they're even setting it up to where things like the Telerik components that a lot of people use when doing any kind of application development for a GUI or something, that's going to work everywhere, right? Windows, Mac, Linux, all that kind of stuff. So I love the vision. I absolutely love the vision. And and honestly, I haven't worked with a lot of C Sharp this year, which sort of saddens me like I'm straight up, I don't know that I've touched a line of C Sharp this year.
0: Yeah, but, I wanted to caution shenanigans on this pick because I was like, uh, oh, we don't even – we're not even C Sharp developers anymore. I don't know if you've heard. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, like seriously,
2: if I have messed with much C Sharp, it hasn't been a ton. But again, I love it. Like I loved what they were doing .NET Core and I love this next progression of it, right? I mean – if you look back at the things that we got excited about, I think even coming into this year, things like Blazor or yeah, Blazor was one of them and just kind of all the stuff that they're doing, right? Like they're, they're coming with these creative things and the language is so pretty. The only other language that I've ever been that excited about working in is Kotlin that I can remember. And Kotlin is really good, but it doesn't have all those benefits that C Sharp has behind it, like this multi-platform type thing and all that. Even though it compiles down to Java, it's, it's it's still way more focused than that. So I don't know. I'm really excited about it. I have a link here to the announcement for .NET 5, and it is a long page. And Michael Tippett um, from our Slack community, he asked us, hey, are we going to cover this? I don't know. I mean, I'm going to try and talk these two guys into it. I would love to cover the features of .NET 5 because I can't do it any justice here in this little few-minute blob. But there's a ton coming in it, and they've got even more planned for the roadmap for .NET 6, right? They're even looking forward to that. So, yeah, man, I'm excited about it. How much time am I going to get to play with it? I have no idea, but I, I really do want to try and dig into it a little bit. Uh so my next one, and and I kinda hate this, I'm gonna be repeating several of the things that Joe had. Now I wasn't good at categorizing these things, so mine are just completely random buckshot type stuff that I do anyways, because that's how my head works anyhow. So uh I'm not the inbox zero guy. We've talked about that before. So uh DevOpsy type stuff. I'm totally digging it. And And part of that, I think, honestly, is just the people I work with, right? Like both of you guys, you know, both of you have done a really good job in setting up the DevOps frameworks and things that we've been working in. And and when you see how powerful that is, I think Outlaw said this a couple of years ago, like when he was working in Team City, like he loved enabling our team to be able to do things quicker, right? Like when you participate in this world of DevOps stuff, You're enabling people to do things faster and see results quicker and and get that feedback loop. I mean, we talked about it with the DevOps handbook. and, And honestly, that series was a big eye opener for me personally. Just when you start approaching problems from the perspective of, I need that feedback quick. I need to be able to see it. I need it on a dashboard. I need this. I need that. I want this. I want that when you put all that stuff together, it really enables you to do two things. One, move quicker on your features and, and, and your deployments and all that kind of stuff. But the other thing too is it allows you to start taking the worry out of when things start going wrong, right? And so that set of, of or that combination of things to me is just really appealing. And I've seen it work and, and and I'd really like to see that go further, and I want to be more involved in it. So that's that's one of the things I'm interested in.
0: And it really like opened up your eyes to DevOps being like more of a cultural thing and not a job title.
2: Oh no, totally not. I mean, it's it's uh, a <laughs> Bobby. <laughs> this one's for
0: you. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: oh, dang. I, I tried I to sneak too. one in there. I like, was right, hoping right. you weren't going to pay attention, and you just be like, yeah. "Oh yeah, no, totally." And I'd be like, "Yes, I got it on. I got it recorded."
2: I mean, my title at the end of the year will be senior DevOps engineer, right? Oh, Something like that. On. I don't know. So, <laughs> but but no, I mean, it, in all honesty, when you see it work and you see how it enables people, it, it's really a thing of beauty. And I and I had mentioned during the DevOps Handbook episodes that I had listened to one of the MS Dev Show episodes where they talked to a guy who was doing his uh his like stock market pick type stuff, and he said the most important thing he did was set that stuff up early. So that all he had to worry about was, okay, I merge this commit. It'll be deployed, right? Like that's, man, that's so beautiful when you think about that. For for everybody out there that still gets a call from the boss, like, hey, I I need a bundled up installer. Can you go set this up for me? And then you got to, you know, you got to sidetrack from what you're doing. You don't even know what you're missing. (laughs) So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's something exciting for me. Um we already belabored the uh, Kubernetes thing a lot, partially my fault, <laughs> partially all of us because we love Kubernetes. Uh, that's another thing I do plan on diving deeper in. I too was looking at the CCAD uh, certification earlier this year, and then life and work just got me busy doing other things, so I never followed through with it. But I, I too, I think it's it's hugely important and valuable in today's world. That reminds me, this is, this is a total tangent and I can do this to myself. So I got to talk to somebody. So all three of us have worked in this uh, JavaScript technology called ext.js. Um, Which one of us love it?
1: Not, I mean, back in the day, maybe I could see how it was lovable.
2: What about you outlaw? Oh, there he was. you, You blipped out for a second on me.
0: I assumed that was my network that blipped. Wow, <laughs> no. this is what it feels like when someone else's <laughs> network goes, huh?
2: Yeah. All right, yeah. look
0: at me over here. All these, <laughs> all these bits coming in and out of my house and it's working. I it got the stable got like a high rips. roller over
2: here. I'm all comfortable with all these extra bits. <laughs> so what did you say, Jay
1: Z? You said something
2: about maybe in the past, but then you kind of went frozen.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, back in the day, I think, um, you know, many years ago, it was a fantastic toolkit library. That, um, the widgets are fantastic. The way you work it is really nice. You know, it's declarative. It's based on JSON. You know, it's really cool. But the state of currently current and modern JavaScript is just very far away from that right now. And so it, it's kind of hard to work with it nowadays. You know, no slight to embark and arrow, but uh, just not my thing.
2: Yeah. So. Here was my take on it. And this is, I actually had a conversation with a friend recently and I got to thinking about it for me. It's not so much that something is so cool or it's so not cool. I don't like working on something to where I am 1% of 1% of 1% of the market. Right? So it's like cold fusion. I know Jay-Z, you and I have worked in that in the past and, and, In all honesty, like we, we poke fun at it. It was truly an elegant language to work in. It it was simple. It made sense. It was easy to do. It was easy to reason about. But if you wanted to continue down that path, you were going to have a handful of places that you would ever be deemed valuable. And to me, that was just unattractive. Right. And, that's one of the reasons why Kubernetes is so uh, right. enticing for me yeah. is because not only is it something that it is interesting and it's huge, but, man, it's going to be everywhere <laughs> like yeah.
1: for
0: a long time.
1: Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I It's really a good, want- solid investment.
0: I- yeah. I really wanted to uh, – <laughs> just because I knew it would be like a trigger uh, for you to tell you that I loved it. But – I I do have a different takeaway on EXTJS specifically though, because I know that, I know that between the two of us, like that's an example of a technology that you have more of a hatred towards than I do. And, and while I agree with what Joe said, I think my opinion of it is like, I, I like it. You can get things done. You know, it's rather easy to get some things done and, uh, you know, it is declarative, like Joe said, like, you know, the problems that I have with it, though, are not so much about like how you do things. Well, um, like for when it comes to code, it's, it's all the tooling around it. And that's where I think that it has suffered and hasn't caught up to the rest of the world because, like, you know, unit tests in that framework, they're non-existent. You, you can't, it, it, you know, they have like a, a whole very brittle, uh, you know, test suite. Yeah. An application that can, that can run it, but it has to like literally render it and te- tell you like, you know, and try to like execute it. It's almost like a, like a Selenium driver at that point. And, Uh, you know, I mean, we, we've talked about integration tests, like, sure, fine. They're good. Have them. I'm not saying don't, but you know, the whole point, like one of the main principles from the, uh, the DevOps handbook, right. Was like the trying to increase the frequency of that feedback cycle. Right. And that's where unit tests are like one of your first, you know, you know, does it compile? Yeah. That's your very first signal. Now, then does it pass the unit test? That's your next closest signal and both of those are supposed to be like really quick signals and and those were both two areas where extjs failed on because if you did have to compile it well that process was slow when you would compile it if whatever you were doing required it which if you were doing any of the theming work you know <laughs> did and and so it would
2: melt your computer <laughs> so
0: that was a hassle uh you know and, and because the comp- compilation was slow, you know, you're like, Oh no, I meant to move that five pixels to the left. Hold on. Let me make this change, recompile, wait 15 minutes, refresh. Oh, I went the wrong direction. You know, it, it was that kind of frustration with it that, that, that bothered me. Um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't as that's where like the modern frameworks, like what you're talking about, Jay Z have gotten like, more dynamic and, and loose, like where you, you know, just a, uh, you know, npm run and, you know, you could have, you can have like a, with a angular or a react app, you know, you can have it just watching the file system and as things change and, and extjs did add some things for that, but their support for it was extremely weak in comparison. Right? Yeah. But I mean, even to, Let's even take EXTJS feel like we're less
2: out of the equation. Really like hammering on poor e- EXTJS. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm not going to because I don't have a ton of good to say about it. So, <laughs> but, um, like view view is a perfect example. We've seen it. We went to a conference where we attended several sessions on it. And honestly, it was really nice looking. But when I look at what its market share is, even after it's been in the market for a few years and it's down there around 5 6% and everybody else is on Angular React, like, do I really want to hook my pony to that? Now, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe that's a good way to really niche down, you know, like you can really own that section of a niche if you were to decide that you want to do tutorials and all kinds you, of.
0: But if that was, I'm sorry to interrupt. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. If you're that good. was the way you made every decision about like how you were on program though, wouldn't you just be a PHP programmer and, you know, use MySQL? I mean, like half the internet or more runs on WordPress, which is PHP, backed on MySQL. So there's like your two most, there's your most popular language in use for web development and your most popular uh, database for uh, web development. So it can't, so my point is, is like, You can't just let market share alone drive you. Like that can't be the only thing. It's not alone.
2: It's not alone. But when I, when I look out there, right? And there's three, four, five players in the market, I look and say, okay, cool. I see that Java, C sharp, um, you know, Python, those are all up there. Rust. Um, yeah. I mean, people love it, but it's got like, you know, one tenth of 1% of a market share. And it's like, okay, easy yeah, now. I'm easy now. So, so I guess that's what I'm saying is like, I, I get where people love some of that stuff, but that's, that's sort of like my excitement usually is very low for things that I know that don't have a ton of potential staying power.
0: Well, I guess is, is my thing. Yeah. I mean, here's, here's where I'm saying like, it's and that's just me. Slope. That's me it's a slippery slope because it is because the reason why I'm saying that is like, you can't let market share drive it because otherwise that means you would never be willing. Like you would never be on the cutting edge of, of picking up a new technology and that could become the next thing. Right. Oh, totally. You know, totally. so, so you do have to like experiment, like, uh, and, and see, and like, you'll find like, sometimes you'll find like, Oh, Hey, this is like super awesome in this other language. And you know, I wish they would have it in my, my daily driver that I use for work, but they don't yet. But then when that feature does come out for your daily driver for work, you already have like an understanding of like, Oh, Hey, I already, I, this is like this other thing that I was already doing. Like, Oh my God. Like there's a C sharp, uh numpy library. Like, Oh good. Here we go.
2: Look, I I totally agree. and, and, I'd say that probably before GraphQL was as popular as it was, that was one of those things that made me go, oh, that is a great way of thinking about this problem, right? Like it's flipping the problem on its head. And I love that. Uh Unfortunately, I just didn't ever have time to really dig into it deep. And so I'm not saying I don't look at things, but whether or not I get excited about willing to invest a ton of time into it, that's a different story, right? So, but that, that's me. That's
0: That's totally me. Yeah. I guess I just oh. didn't like you picking on view.
2: <laughs> well, that's the thing. It was really nice, but I I never outside of that conference, I never spent five minutes on it. So um I mean heck, you remember I was talking about uh what was what was the one years ago that never ended up being anything big? The JS, the polymorphic JS framework, meteor, meteor JS. Mm-hmm. And I spent time on that Then I've, you know, as I started looking, they're like, yeah, we're going in a different direction. We're going in another different direction. It was because they didn't have the market share to really drive anything. So, you know, whatever. All right. So the next thing that I am excited about, and this is odd for me because I've never really cared about it, is a little bit of game development. Like this game jam that we're doing actually has me a little bit excited. So I'm looking forward to it. I will probably go the Unity route. I will look at the other things out there and see what else is available. Yes. Uh, I don't think I'll do the Python thing because I don't want to inflict that pain on me. Although I have been coding in Python, and quite honestly, it's very pleasant. Like, I, I have no problems with it whatsoever. Um, and I was able to pick it up quick. It reminds me very much of, of Node.js type development. So
0: I feel like we've um, gone from codingblocks.net to codingblocks.js. Then we went to codingblocks.kt, <laughs> and now we're yep. at codingblocks.py. Yeah, so, yeah. I well, mean, you know, we evolved. Yeah, we do. It it comes over time.
2: So my next thing, so the game jam, definitely looking forward to that excited about it. My next one is more big data. I, I, I mean, we've talked about this. I have a fascination and a love for big data. I, I just always have, I love the problems it introduces. I love analyzing that data. I like all of it. So I know at least for my job, I'll be facing a lot of these big data problems anyways. So I'm looking forward to it, right? Like um, and, and one of the reviews we got for this episode, was, uh, I don't remember which one it was, but he said he was a little bit salty that we had started covering the,
0: uh, um, Oh, d- designing data intensive applications.
2: Yes. That we never oh, yeah, finished yeah. it, that we started it. Hey, look, want to go back. Yeah. We will probably go back to it, but that, that book is so deep. Have <laughs> We ever finished we, any book though. No, we never have. Like we got to oh, leave
0: some kind of teaser out there. Right. So we
2: will probably go back to it because we all love the topic, but I mean, it was just one of those things where it was like, oh, we need a break, right? Like we got to move to something else.
0: And I should clarify, like we finished reading the book. We might not finish discussing it like every single chapter.
2: (laughs) Right, right. So the big data stuff, definitely. I mean, I love Kafka. I love Elasticsearch. I love all the distributed stuff. I like the big tables, the big query. I like, I like all of this stuff, right? Um, Apache drill. I mean, outlaw you and I dug into that as well as, um, God, what was it? the, the Presto DB stuff? Like all that stuff is fascinating to me. I love it. So I'll be back in I'll on send
0: that. Send you some MySQL links.
2: <laughs> I, I can make use of those. Uh, uh more videos. I want to do more videos. I have not had a ton of time. Uh, I don't, I think because my kids are home and everybody like there's just no break from anything in 2020. Right? Like I know we all feel that, but I haven't eaten at a restaurant since February. Right? I I mean, I, I feel like my life is just this compact. Like I've been shoved in this little can and that's where I live. And, it, and it, it, there's no room to do anything in that can. So I don't know. But I do plan to do more videos. Um, I don't know. Joe and
0: I, I plan th- for you to do more videos. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. right. Um, so, I mean, I don't know that we mentioned it on the podcast at all, but we've got some uh, a bunch of keyboard reviews coming up, right? Like um, ergonomic keyboards, like crazy stuff. And so my first one is going to be recorded here pretty soon. Maybe it'll be out by the time this this podcast lands. We'll, we'll see. Um Oh, and there's one that's going to be so
0: fun that I can't wait that. Oh man. We're going to figure out Alan and I, I'm just going to tease this real quick. Okay. If you haven't seen any of the videos that are on our YouTube channel, uh, that are done by Alan and Joe, you really should take the opportunity to go up there and look at them. Like they're, they're there's some really good quality stuff up there. And, uh, Alan and I are working on a way to safely get together and record uh, a video related to some of the keyboards and the let's say, let's say the first uh, reactions to trying to adapt to some of the crazy ergonomic designs you've seen uh, of keyboards out there on the internet. They should be glorious. Like this should be a lot of fun. So yeah,
2: I want to do more videos. I, I love doing the gear reviews. I, it seems like people really enjoy those. Uh, but I also want to do more development type stuff. Like uh it, just an example of something that popped off the top of my head is, you know, we've been doing transitions from <laughs> us personally. We've done transitions from Azure to AWS to GCP now. Right. So One of the things that's funny is is people talk about wanting to code things agnostic to, to cloud technologies. That's way harder than it sounds, right? Like way harder. If you're in Azure, any one of the clouds that you pick, probably the predominant thing that you will use on any one of the given clouds is their blob storage because it's so cheap and it's so easy to use. The problem is They all have different protocols. So Amazon has AWS S3, which, by the way, is a protocol that other places have adopted. You can get S3 stuff running in a container. You can get S3 stuff running on-prem, but not all the clouds adopted it. So you have AWS S3, you have Azure Blob Storage, you have GCP, Google Cloud Storage, GCS. They all have different APIs, right? So one of the things I thought about that would be kind of interesting is, hey, what would a fairly, I don't want to call it simple, but a fairly small project that you could do is, Hey, what if you created an abstraction to where you could plug in any one of the three big storage technologies? Right. And in that, and in that, um, I don't know, tutorial course, whatever you want to call it, there's all kinds of cool stuff you could do in there. You could do dependency injection because. Hey, if you give me a config for Azure blob storage, then load up these libraries. If you give me something for Google cloud storage and load up these libraries, like I think it would be a really good way to show it and then show how you can build in those abstractions. So I don't know. I want to do more videos. That's one of the ones that's kind of off the top of my head. I don't know if I'll ever get to it, but you know, these things bounce around there all the time. Um, So that kind of goes with more presentations. I would love to do more. I wish that there were more in person, but I think 2021 is going to be shut down just like 2020 is. So it's going to be a while before we do any in-person things, which really stinks because I think all three of us enjoy it a lot. And, yeah, it, it kind of sucks not getting to go see people and meet people.
0: All right. And the
2: last two things. I'll hit these real quick. Maybe some IoT stuff. Ooh, like what? So... There's something you said that bugged me, and it's been sticking in the back of my head for a while. I say a lot of things that bug you. Which one <laughs> was it? <laughs> That's <funny. laughs> Outlaw fell my trigger word the other day. Um, uh, EXTGS. The <laughs> so these Elgato stream decks, right? You guys have definitely used them more than I have. Part of that is just I haven't taken the time to sit down and mess with them, right? Like after I'm done with work, I'm drained and I just walk away from my computer. Um, so one of the things you mentioned that really bugged me is you did the if this then that integration and you click something and it didn't happen for like a minute, right? And I was thinking, that's awful. Like that that really, really bothers me. And so I got to thinking about, well, that only is a problem because these things were all hitting cloud services, right? Like, if you have Philips Hue stuff, it's probably going out and talking to the cloud. If you have Casa stuff, it's going out and talking to the cloud. Everything you do is going and talking to a server. Well, what if you had some little internal hub that you could make talk to these different protocols, right? Like, that might be kind of fun. So I don't know. I think I kind of want to play with these things just to sort of get an idea, right? Like these are chatty devices, right? Most of them all have built-in web servers, which is ridiculous, right? Your your doorbell with your camera in it has a built-in web server. Everything sort of talks that way. So I don't know. I want to play with it. I'm not exactly sure how far I'll go with it, but it's interesting to me.
0: Yeah, that's one of those things where it's like sometimes you'll see like things that other people were done. And it's like, just sometimes it's just good enough for me to know, like, okay, if I ever want to do something like that, then I know that somebody else has already started it. They've already started right. like, 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 uh, for example, my, um, my, 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 what would you call it? Like spin bike? Uh, you know, there are people out there like there's GitHub projects where you can find where people have already like hacked the protocols from it to write their own apps for it and everything. I'm like, okay, I, maybe one day I might get to the point where I, I want that, but that not yet, but you know, you guys but keep maturing there. it. And I know that like, if I ever do, there's already like a good amount of information out there for it. And and I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I appreciate oh. knowing that it's out there for right now. Yeah. What maybe about you,
1: Jay-Z? <laughs> oh, I love the, I love the idea of affecting things in the real world. I kind of, I've been sleeping on the whole IOT thing just because I've had so many bad experiences with like, uh, you know, like the series and the uh, virtual assistants and that sort of thing. So like uh, to me, like I still associate things not working like I want, but uh, I got those, um, the plugs that you recommended. I forget what they are now. Casa so I love, yeah, it yeah, cost exactly. So I like that I can like turn those off and, you know, on or whatever and just kind of flicks on multiple things. I can like, I can turn my, all my guitar stuff on with like one button now and it goes and like flips three different power on things, which is, which is really great. So I like that. And I like the idea of being able to do stuff in the real world. So I'd love to have like, a raspberry Pi that I could kind of take somewhere and have a button that does what I want. Cause I, I am in love with the stream deck. So I don't know. I, I keep thinking about it, but I'm just scared to have it do anything that matters. If that makes sense. Like <laughs> I don't want it to turn the coffee pot off because I don't want it to turn it on and, you know, melt the house down or something. So I'm just kind of scared a lot, a lot of that stuff for now. Yeah.
0: Well, I told you I like hear. that was the exact thing that I used my plug for though.
1: Yeah. Well, so the lot.
0: Lot, set up the geofence so when I leave the fence, it turns it off.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, turning off is fine. It's just the turning on. that's kind of scares me. So I, I'm still okay with some stuff like that. I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I've been kind of hesitant on so I've been dragging my feet. But I'm mean, with the stream deck, I do love being able to do all sorts of stuff. But uh, it's just still things seem unreliable. Even the cost of stuff sometimes I'll hit the button. It just doesn't go on. But it's you know it's one of those things like where I can wait until it it comes on and it it seems to be like an if this then that thing kind of thing where it's just slow and doesn't quite do what I want. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, just, I still don't kind of trust it, but I do. I really want a Kubernetes cluster running on multiple pies, and I can't figure out an excuse to do that yet. But I'm I'm still looking.
0: Okay, so total total derailment again here. Er, sorry, but uh, so specific to the IoT stuff. Like number one is. I have been, I know Joe, you've already built one of these and I've totally been considering it and looking into it, but building a pie hole. And what made me think of that is when you mentioned like running Kubernetes on multiple uh, Raspberry Pis, but yeah, I've, I've totally been considering building a pie hole. Plus it just sounds like a fun little project, you know, and you get to play with some cool hardware and then like, Oh, Hey, benefit. Like, you know, you, you get to surf the web a little faster. Um,
2: hey, so if you had hung out in the gear channel with Micro G, he actually posted something at one point that was a rack. It was like a Kubernetes rack for pies that you could have like this super computing little rig for, for um
0: networked pies. Any anyway, rate, go ahead. Sorry. Huh, that sounds cool. Um yep. yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I definitely this year have not been on Slack uh, that much. And it's, I'm feeling it. I don't, I, you know, like I'm sure maybe, you know, I was never like the, the chattiest person on there ever. So, you know, maybe nobody's noticed, but like, I'm definitely feeling like I'm not, uh, not on there and I'm definitely missing it, but, um, I digress. So going back to the IOT things, so we were talking about like the Casa the Smart switches and stuff in Smart Plugs last time, um, like in the, a couple of episodes back when we had the shopping spree episode. Well, oh, buddy, have I got one for you? So check this out. Best Buy has the Casa Smart Dimmer switches on sale. Normally $26, bucks. now they're $18. And these are the dimmer switches. So pretty cool. If you want to have a dimmer switch, you know, like anything on a dimmer switch, and be able to Wi-Fi control it. But now here's here's the beauty that I, that I I really like about the um, the Casa uh, um switches is that, and I think I might have mentioned this before, maybe not, but like let's say that you want to have like exterior lights on your house and you want them to come on, right? You might think like, Oh, fine. No, I'll just go get it. Like a, you know, one of the Phillips hue bulbs and it will be good. Right. But then if you kind of think about it, I mean like a, from a security point of view, like you're technically putting something outside, physically on the outside of your house that has network access inside to your house. So that's already kind of weird, but okay, whatever. I mean, like I'm totally, you know, that's coming from a paranoid kind of point of view and and I get it. But, uh, Better is that technically Phillips doesn't, um, you know, how to say this? Like they, they, they don't certify their bulbs for exterior use. Mm. So, um, because of like heat and humidity and whatnot, like they don't. So, so if you put them outside, they will straight up tell you like, a, we're, we don't recommend you do it. And B, you're definitely going to shorten the life of the bulb. And those things are already expensive enough. And the beauty of the CASA switches is that if you, you know, f- have the know-how enough to, like, if you feel inclined enough to install a, a light switch, then, you know, you, you can easily turn any of your exterior, exterior lights into, you know, a smart light where it could like automatically cut on at sunset or off at sun rise and things like that, you know? So, so I, I really like them. I, th- I think it's pretty fun. Pretty neat. That's a really good
2: price for that dimmer switch too, by the way. I mean, most of these smart dimmer switches are usually 35 or more. So yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's pretty killer. They're awesome. All right. So I'm going to wrap up my last one here and this will be short. I've always had an interest in this just haven't really gotten into it that much. And that's machine learning. So I, and I added this when Jay Z had mentioned it up there above. Cause I was like, Oh yeah. kind of like, I don't know that I want to know a ton about it, but I at least want to be able to speak the language of it. Right. And that always drives me crazy when somebody's talking to me about ML stuff. And I'm like, um, let me Google that. Let me Google this. Let me Google that other five things he just said real quick. You know? So I think that's kind of where I want to be.
0: There was a, there was a book, a Manning book that I really liked. Um, it was maybe 230 ish pages, uh, called real world machine learning. And like, I remember you mentioned it. If all you want was just like, you know, some use cases, some terminology, kind of like understand like how, how things would fit together. Um, you know, I, I I thought that was a good book that like, you know, so that you can, like, kind of scratch the surface, you know. You can go as – I mean, you could go as deep as you want. Like, they're giving you the code. You know, you're seeing the code in it. But uh, if you just wanted a quick read, at, at 230 pages, the beauty of it is, like, I mean, you could burn through that in a weekend if you really wanted to. Um,
2: I fall asleep about every 10 pages. It'll take me a few weekends.
0: Um, hey, what was what was the name of that one again? Uh, it was called Real World Machine Learning. I'll put a link to it here in –
2: we need to right. check and see if that's on O'Reilly because, uh, yeah, G- Jim Hummelstein is always telling us about, about, well, this, it's a uh, ACM. Yeah, AC. Oh, it's Manning, so it won't be on there.
0: Yeah.
2: Hold the
1: phone.
0: And, and there, there might wait, be wait, like other. Wait.
1: What's this hold the phone? Hold the phone.
0: Oh, what did it
1: you- Yeah. So who cares if it's, uh, on, uh, the O'Reilly thing? Um, which is a great deal, though, by the way. Thank you, Jim. Uh, it's not Audible. Ah. Yeah, you can get it for
0: free with an yeah. audible trial.
1: I am, uh, I'm using one of my credits right now. I think I have like four more to use this year.
0: <laughs> I like it. And, you know, like if you were to go look for other, other books, like, you know, you'll find like other machine learning books that might have like, uh, you know, more, more reviews or stars or whatever. Cause they go into the, you know, greater detail or whatever. But, um, you know, I think if, if like, it just kind of like came to mind because uh you said that you wanted like, you know, it wasn't necessarily that you wanted to go super deep and understand everything about it. But I mean, cause I've got like other books on it that, that go super deep and you get like, you know, your eyes glaze after like the second page of math symbols and you're like, okay. Right. What? Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 those are like difficult reads in my opinion. And so,
1: yeah. And, Very cool. Yeah, I'm getting this right now.
2: This episode of Coding Blocks is sponsored by Educative.io. Educative.io offers hands-on courses with live developer
0: environments, all within a browser-based environment with zero setup required. With Educative.io, you can learn faster using their text-based courses instead of videos. Focus on the parts you're interested in and skim through the parts you're not.
1: Now, uh, I went to start a a machine learning course a, a while back. And I ended up going down the path. I think I told you about last time, a uh, Python data analysis and visualization. And at this point, I've gone through all the basic Python stuff. And so I'm feeling actually pretty good about it. Like, I, I feel comfortable, uh, thanks to Educative. And now I'm getting into, uh, is I don't know if it's NumPy or NumPy. And I don't know because I've been reading through this instead of watching a video. And I'm going through, I'm doing the interactive um, the interactive exercises. I'm doing the quizzes. And I'm reading and I'm scrolling through the things that I don't need to know about because i know from other languages and so it hasn't been a frustrating experience because i can skip over the things about like programming that i don't need to know about i can scroll to and focus on the things that i do care about which is a huge advantage of the way that the course is set up so it's very easy to skip around it and really hone in on the things that i care about which if you've ever tried you know switching to another language or something like a book it's just it can be really frustrating if you it's it's a subject that you already know some things about.
0: Wait a minute. Hold on. I'm calling your bluff here, Joe. Like if you're learning a new language, you're telling me you don't spend time going over all of the different data types from start from scratch. Like you've never programmed before a day in your life.
1: Yeah, you would not believe how many books have a section on it to tell you, well, there's a, an N16 and an N32 and an N64. And now on to the ones with decimal points. And, you know, I don't need to read a whole chapter on that. I kind of got that, you know, like that's just not the stuff that I need to worry about when I'm first learning a language. I want to know what's different. And I want to know the things that I'm interested in and educated. Let's be do that.
0: Oh, well, the emphasis there on the, you, you kind of got that part. So, so check this out. So both you and Alan talked about like, uh, you know, you wanted to, uh, pick up Kubernetes. That was the thing that you were excited about for 2021. 20, uh, and, you know, I, I shared this back, uh, like an episode or two ago that th- they have a, a great course called a practical guide to Kubernetes, but it's so much more than that. If, if that's not just enough for you, they have learn Kubernetes, a deep dive, Uh, the DevOps toolkit, Kubernetes chaos engineering. I think it was the last episode that Alan shared the, uh, the chaos engineering link with like a whole slew of different resources for chaos engineering. There's a advanced Kubernetes techniques, monitoring, logging, and auto scaling that we're just talking about like one topic. I just, we're only picking like on Kubernetes for a moment. They have a truckload of courses on each you know, technology that you are interested in. And each one of those, uh, courses, you know, there's like, uh, I mentioned the practical guide to Kubernetes. There's 175 lessons in that single course, 880 code snippets that you can go with, go through. And the, and the great thing is those code snippets, those live code snippets, you can actually play around, you can edit it, you can see what's what, uh, it's really a great platform. So, you know, we've talked about before, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the the Grokking the Interview prep series and Joe's favorite, Grokking the System Design and Grokking the Coding Interview. Well, now they've added to that Grokking series the Grokking the Machine Learning Interview, which actually focuses on system design side of machine learning by helping you design real machine learning systems such as Ad Prediction System. And it's really the only type of system like this out on the, or the only type of course like this out on the internet today.
1: Yeah, well, so, I, there's- Oh, go ahead. Sorry, i got to throw one more thing in here. They actually have a whole path now for scalability and system design that includes, uh, includes the uh, rocking uh, course that you just mentioned, of course. But uh, it also includes several other courses that are all oriented around that same idea.
0: Yeah, so if there's something you want to learn, they probably have it. Visit educative.io slash coding blocks to automatically get the lowest pricing available for subscriptions applied automatically at checkout. Hurry, though, because they don't run these deals very often. That's educative.io slash Coding Blocks to start your subscription today. All right, so it's that time
2: of the show where we ask you, if you haven't had a chance and you're enjoying the show, please do go leave us a review. Go to codingblocks.net slash review. We'll have links up there. Probably need to fix that page too because I think it still links over to Stitcher where it appears that they've gotten rid of reviews. Uh, but if, if you'd love to, you know, just... Put a smile on our faces and, you know, let us know what you think. That would be amazing. Head up there. Like I said, cuttingblocks.net slash review and, you know, leave us some kind words up there. We really appreciate it.
0: And with that, we head into everybody's favorite portion of the show. It's dad jokes. Um, I think I already said this one, though. I, I told you about the about how I lost my job at the orange juice factory, didn't I? I already told you that. What? I no. Think so. No. I didn't. Yeah, they yeah. they said I couldn't concentrate. Oh you did tell us. <laughs> See, I thought I did. I thought I did. You did. Okay. And then I, and then that means I also told you about uh why I quit my job at the fire hydrant factory.
1: No, no, I don't, Come remember, on. I don't remember. I did. One. I know I told you this already. Definitely never. Yeah, I quit.
0: You couldn't park anywhere near the place. All right. <laughs> I don't think we did do that one. With- I'm positive. I'm pr- I'm pretty sure. I was I'm I'm like. I'm seventy-eight percent sure that I already. S- I'm using some Joe math here. There I am thirteen yep. and a half percent sure, which means that I'm mostly sure. That, right. Yeah. uh That I already told you those, but I wasn't sure. So I don't know. Uh, but since you're acting like I didn't, uh, whatever math. All right. I've got more, though. Uh, but but for now, survey says... All right. So, uh, a few episodes back, we asked, hey, how often do you change jobs? And your choices were, job? Why would I do that when I can boss myself around? Or, I don't want to. Interviewing is awful. Or, Every three years, like the Stack Overflow survey tells me to. And lastly, about every five years, after I've built up enough embarrassments. All right, so thanks to uh, Tutco, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, or that that's how that's supposed to be pronounced, um, we have our new awesome forever uh, way of knowing who should go first, and since this is an odd-numbered episode... Alan with the A. First letter of the alphabet goes first. Alan, tell me what you think is the most popular choice and the percentage. By what percentage? I'm going to say I don't want to because interviewing is awful.
2: I think people get massive anxiety when it comes to that kind of thing. And I'll go with 40% on that. 40%
0: don't want to.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, 40%. I don't (laughs) want (laughs) to. Cause I, I just think that's right. <laughs> <Okay>.
0: <laughs> We're going to rename Joe to Joe Zach. I make things difficult. So uh, just hit him up on Slack. <laughs> Joe Zach, I make things difficult.
2: Yep, that's right. So he, he just bumped to 41. He just stole my thing.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. All right, that sounds
2: we'll just, fair. That sounds yeah, fair. Yeah, we'll just do that.
0: This is this is uh Alan plus plus. So so Alan with I don't wanna at forty percent and Joe with uh I don't wanna at Allen plus. Uh so yeah, you both lose then. Oh
2: yeah. Wow. Good job, Alan. This is awkward. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's my fault.
0: <laughs> yeah. It kind of is, though. It kind of is. Um, you're on the right track. I don't want to was the top answer. Just too high. But you overshot. Yeah. It was 35% of the vote. Mm, awesome. Okay. We weren't too far off yeah. You, you weren't too far, yeah. You care to take a, a gander at what number
1: two was? Uh, let's see here. Number two. Uh, every three years.
2: I was going to say the same thing.
0: Uh, all right. Well, uh, you know, we won't find out because it's time for another joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, it was every three years. Was the yeah? I figure
2: one. I figure it's opposite ends of the spectrum, right? You're either somebody that never moves, or you're constantly jumping.
0: Um. Well, they never. Well, yeah. Yeah, I guess that would be the never moves was or the constantly jump ones every three years. Sure. Yep. All right. So, I do have some more jokes, though. Uh, so, Super Good Dave gave me another, some more. Um, <clears throat> but, okay. So, did you hear the one about bread and butter? No. no. You haven't heard this one? I tell you, but I, I don't want to spread it around. <laughs> 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 and then... And then uh, I got to share this one from uh, his daughter. Why doesn't a bear wear socks?
1: God, I don't know. I'm so bad at this. I I got no idea.
0: It has bear feet.
1: (laughs) Oh, geez. Okay.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, That's the thing about dad jokes. They're just awesome, right? They are good. So uh, for this episode survey... Matthew Watkins gave us this really awesome idea for a survey. And uh, so we ask, how many bits or data type could your annual salary fit in, in whole dollars? And your choices are one bit or a Boolean. Wait, you can make money with this coding stuff? (laughs) Or eight bits, a byte. I made a webpage for a friend one time. Or 16 bits or a short, I'm an intern or at least I get paid like one. Or 16 bits and an unsigned short, I'm just getting started in my career. Or 17 bits, I like my company. Or 18 bits, my company likes me. Or 19 bits, my company really, really likes me. (laughs) Or 20 plus bits, I run my company.
1: (laughs) Well, I definitely fit in 20 plus bits.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess, I guess, okay. I should rephrase that. What's the smallest, uh, size that your, your salary could fit in. How about here's some, some alternatives. It's If none of those worked for you, some cubits, my salary is in a state of flux or a string because I only get paid in. Thank you messages. Or negative numbers. Who needs to pay you for having fun? I pay for everything I use to write my open source project. Or memory addresses because buffer overflow attacks are how hackers like me make money. (laughs) I like
1: them. All right. I will correct that to say the smallest. Hey, this episode is sponsored by X matters. X matters helps enterprises prevent, manage, and resolve technology incidents. XMatter's industry-leading digital service availability platform prevents technical issues from becoming big business problems.
0: Large enterprises, agile SREs, and innovative DevOps teams rely on its proactive incident response, automation, and management service to maintain operational visibility and control in today's highly fragmented technology environment.
2: Yeah, and the fragmented part is really what they're focusing on, right? So X Matters, they they walked us through their platform and they showed us what goes on there. And the amazing part is, instead of you focusing on all the minutia of, hey, there's a production outage, I need to find out a way to communicate with all the team members, and I need to gather everybody together, I need to get all the information and share it instead of putting that on a person to go do all those same monotonous mundane tasks, they automate that for you, right? So if if a production thing happens, you can have that trigger setting up a Slack room. You could have it then create a JIRA automatically. It could automatically ship the logs for the errors that happened to that JIRA incident. So all that stuff is centralized. And that's all things that people typically do and may not do consistently. So their whole platform is built around enabling you to move faster and work faster as a team to resolve issues, to find things quicker and take care of things as fast as possible.
0: I mean, when when things go wrong, there's nothing more important than to get the system back up and running into a good state, right? So stop trying to maintain your on-call list with a spreadsheet or something manual like that. It's error-prone. It's going to be forgotten about. It's definitely not automated, but with X matters, they have automated on call management. So like when things do hit the fan, like Alan said, like you could automatically create your Jira, ship the logs over. But not only that, you could actually have it automatically spin up a call and call all of the people that need to be involved to rectify whatever the problem is. And that's the type of automation that you want.
1: And uh, from IT to DevOps to emergency notifications, everyone needs speed, automation, and reliability when things go wrong. So keep your digital services up and running today with X Matters. Learn more at xmatters.com. Again, that's
2: xmatters.com.
0: Okay, so I guess it's my turn. And, uh, you know, I kind of feel bamboozled here going last with this whole thing. Because, I mean, number one, like – I didn't think that it was, I guess I misunderstood like the topic. I didn't necessarily think it was like the things that I'm supposed to be excited for, for next year. So if I'm talking about the things that I'm excited for, for next year, um, apparently there's a few vaccines in the work. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm pretty excited about those. I'm hoping that they're successful and they work. Uh, no. So I, I thought that we were supposed to be taking like the things that we want to learn, like the, what we were going to like, focus our, our learning on. Um, so that's my bad, but also here's where it sucks going last in this, uh, because I guess the three of us are, you know, similar minded. Maybe that's why we're friends because there's a lot of overlap here. So I'm like, Oh, well this sucks. So this is going to be quick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, top, top, Top of the the list for me is Kubernetes. Um, I want to go deep on Kubernetes. Now, when I say go deep on that, what I mean is like, um, like I feel pretty comfortable with Git, for example, right? Like that's a thing, and I'm like, yeah, I got it, right? And and like I want to I want to start making it a point to like get to uh, a a level where like, you know, people might come to you to ask questions, you know, like, like about a particular subject, right? Like you're that you're, you're deep enough on that subject that like, you know, people come to you with questions. Right. And, and I, I I want to like have that kind of understanding about it. I don't necessarily need all the questions, but I want to to have that kind of understanding about it. Right. And, but here's the thing, like if we're just comparing like get, you know, Kubernetes to get, for example. Um, Git is just like, you know, it's one wrapper around a whole bunch of tools, right? But Kubernetes is like one technology around like a whole bunch of things, right? So what does it mean to become, uh you know, really deep in Kubernetes? Well, okay. First of all, that means that you know, getting a strong understanding of like Coop cuddle, for example, which by the way, like some of the things that I'm going to say, like, I feel like I'm, I'm well already on my way on some of these, but, um, a lot of it is maybe like an imposter syndrome or, uh, you know, just modesty or whatever. Like there's still, there's still some things where I'm like, okay, still so far behind. Right. but, but, if you're going to even start with Kubernetes, then, you know, you have to start with kubectl. And there's still like a lot of things with that that I'm like, um, you know, I'm positive that there are things that I don't yet know. Right. So it's that whole like, you don't know what you don't know yet kind of thing. But then, I mean, like really Kubernetes by itself is kind of like, eh, I mean, you really, you're, you're really talking helm. I mean, you know, at some point you're like, uh, you know, if you really want to take the, the power of Kubernetes, then you're like really got to like deep dive into helm as well. But ugh, if you're going to do a helm, then it's like, okay, what? why does this one have a dash in front of it? And what is, why, why are these like this? Like, why, what does this indention here mean? Because it's all in YAML. So you really got to have a deep understanding of YAML as well. So, I've only like scratched the surface of like, here's a couple things we didn't even talk about, like the, all the level of, uh, you know, detail that you might have related to like the Docker images that Kubernetes is orchestrating, right? Like there's a whole bunch there that you can talk about, you know, so I'm not even thinking, you know, like I want to have like much stronger understandings of like, uh, jobs in Kubernetes, like cron like jobs in Kubernetes, services, like you know, all the all the like not just like pods and nodes. I want I want to like have the whole umbrella. I want to I wanna I want to have the whole thing. And you know, I have been trying to talk uh you know the, the listeners are gonna take my side here. I'm I'm talking to them, I'm not talking to you guys. Because Um, I've been trying to, you guys can help me. I've been trying to get Alan and Joe on board with this idea of doing a super deep dive, uh, series on Kubernetes. And, uh, if you love that idea, then I think you should definitely hit them up. You can find Joe on Slack at Joe Zach. Uh, I make things, what did I say? Difficult, difficult. Um, (laughs) and uh you know and then you can find alan there too he just has a boring name like at alan or something yeah yeah um, <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah but no i i do like i i did i did like a little you know behind the scenes uh you know how the sausage is made kind of thing like i did hit hit uh the guys up you know joe and alan up about this about like uh this idea of like hey what if we did a uh you know you know not a long series of epi- of episodes but you know like a couple Um, where we could like break up Kubernetes into like some of the main core components. Like, you know, you can't start a conversation like that without talking about nodes and pods, but, but eventually you would get into some of the other aspects, you know, services, jobs or whatever, or stateful sets. Well, I guess you kind of have to do all that before you get to jobs and, and services, but whatever the point is, is like, you know, Take take a handful of of the different topics and and get into it and and I think that like selfishly part of the reason why I want to do that is because it is you know the thing that I was already kind of excited before you asked to do this episode then um I think that by kind of similar to what you said before Alan was that you know by doing it for the show like I think that it would like help it would it gives us an excuse <laughs> to to, to dive into things that we might not otherwise have a reason to, you know, that, um, I mean, there's a lot of things about just making this show that like, you know, kind of get us to look at technologies or algorithms or patterns or whatever, whatever it might be that, you know, you could very easily go by in your career and make good money Make, you know, I'm not saying you could like make good money without caring, right? But but you know, we kind of get forced, we kind of force it upon ourselves, right? Uh, you know, the the show forces us to like learn things and step out of our comfort zone. So, um, yeah, like hit hit those guys up on Slack and convince them that uh, to do the the Kubernetes deep dive. I just don't want to talk about something I already know everything about. Oh yeah, well <laughs> you know that. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now, I mean, like, Joe, you, you brought an interesting thing to it. Cause I didn't even consider the Kubernetes application developer, um, certification. I mean, that, that's interesting. Like, I'm kind of, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm on the fence cause, uh, like, well, we've talked about certifications before in the past and like, sometimes like some of them are so fluff. This is like, <laughs> oh, it's not, you know, it's, it's I, not that bad. one might not be, I'm not saying that that one is fluff don't, don't, don't take that the wrong way. Um, I just, I don't know. I hadn't considered it, I guess is is the real takeaway until, uh, you mentioned it. Um, and then, and then, you know, it is kind of funny though, because when you talk about, uh, the Kubernetes, the certified Kubernetes application developer, and then there was that episode that we did earlier (laughs) this year where the title was like, is Kubernetes programming? (laughs) Like, yeah. <laughs> and I, I guess their answer is yes. Um, yeah. So I want to, I want that. That's like, and he, also, too, in my misunderstanding of this topic, like, I thought we were just doing the one thing. So, like, I am like super not as organized then as what you guys had because I was just like the one thing, like the one and done. Uh, but it did make me think that, like, you know, as you were talking, like, if I had to pick a number two thing, it would definitely be Kotlin um, because I feel like there's a, there'd be a lot of value, especially in my day job. Uh, I think it would, I think it would be beneficial for me to have a strong understanding of Kotlin. So, um, you know, that, that would be my number two, but Oh, by the way, um going back to like, you know, there, there's the educative uh, courses that we talked about, you know, related to, uh to Kubernetes. So, so like, Taking some of those to help, you know, um, solidify solidify that knowledge as well, and you know, maybe maybe go for that certification too. Um, Yeah. So hey, one one thing on Kotlin. Kotlin. One thing
2: on Kotlin. So as much as I love it, there are some real irritations with it, and and I'm sure Jay Z, you might have run into this. The major irritations have nothing to do with Kotlin itself. It's when you start trying to mix Kotlin with regular Java because you're forced to, right? Like, so for instance, we've done some B-maps and the type system between Kotlin and Java don't jive exactly well. And so you run into really weird problems that have you chasing your tail for a while, because a string isn't a string or a long isn't a long or, or whatever the case may be, right? So the Java type doesn't match the Kotlin type and they don't marshal perfectly across. And you literally can spend hours and days trying to figure out why in the world your number isn't working like the number should be. Um, and, and it mostly happens due to the fact that like when you're dealing with things like Beam, you're dealing with serialization between different um, mediums, right? Like you, you might be serializing into an Avro format back out of it. And those are typically written to your Java types. And again, those don't mesh well or perfectly with the Kotlin ones. And so those kind of irritations really stink, but Kotlin as a whole is just so pretty. Once you can understand what you're looking at, it's really pretty.
0: Yeah. That's the, um, that's where like I need to take a redo, a step back with Kotlin because, um, so, uh, you know, a a friend of ours, uh, you know, that we've talked about before, Ryan, um, he created a, a, what was it? Like a, a beam Kotlin course? I think it was a beam course for Kotlin beginners or something like that. Like I forget exactly what it was called, but, um, I think that like part of the problem that I had was that, that it was trying to do things specific to, or it might not even been beam. It might've been, uh, was it beam or was it just a uh, Kafka streams? It was beam. Um, okay. But, but it was like, you're trying to like learn two things at the same time, beam and Kotlin. And the problem that I had was that like the documentation for beam was not Kotlin friendly at all. And so they would just give you like here, straight up like, you know, Java examples or whatever. And then, try to, I'm trying to translate that to Kotlin and it just wasn't going well at all. And there's supposed to be a, we, I mean, we've actually talked about this, I believe as a tip of the week on, um, on the, on a previous episode where in IntelliJ, you can copy and pay, you could copy Java and into your file. And if it's a, if the file is recognized, if the file is a .kt file, IntelliJ would recognize it and it would go ahead and and um, convert the Java into Kotlin friendly code but I guess on my environment you know even though I was using IntelliJ you know ultimate edition it wasn't working so like I would that was where I was getting like super frustrated trying to go through the course um that that he had created because it was like I'm trying, you know, I, I'm getting lost. I'm getting hung up just in like the tooling behind it. So right. that's why I'm kind of thinking like, okay, I think I'm going to go, I'm going to give Kotlin another go, but I'm going to like take beam out of the equation. I'm not going to try to confuse. Like, let me just focus on the one thing. And, and cause then it's like what Joe was saying earlier with like learning a new language. Then it's like, uh, you know, you can just focus on like, okay, I get it now I get it. I understand the syntax. I get it now. It makes sense. But before it was like, I was trying to do, you know, the two things at the same time. And it was like, okay, I don't know if this problem that I'm running into, is that a beam problem or is that, is that a Kotlin problem? Or did I like, where, where which one did I mess up? Cause I messed up one of them.
2: And and beams complicated enough on its own, right? Like, so yeah, it's definitely worth taking in a smaller isolated way to, to get familiar with Kotlin and it it really is an enjoyable language.
0: Yeah. And jet brains, they, I mean, they themselves have some great, you know resources out there for it, so uh, you know, yeah, that shouldn't be that shouldn't be too hard. But Kubernetes is
1: first, the Kotlin <laughs> second. I will say too, uh, anything problems that you run into in Kotlin are worth it. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, any. any statement huh? true, Ooh. it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I like your confidence. Everything else is a trifle. Yeah, I'm not confident about many things, but Kotlin, it's pretty good. Yeah, it, it is good. Um, yeah. So yeah, that,
0: those are my boring ones. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think they were boring. They were all really good. Like I think, uh, I think that's legit. Yeah. Yeah. I want all of that. That's good. <laughs> so yeah, we'll have, uh, we'll have plenty of links, uh, you know, to the internet in the resources we like section. And uh, yeah, you know, just like pretend we we are uh, AOL and just search for the keyword uh, episode one forty seven, and you know, then you can find all the links that we've talked about here. <laughs> you know, there's got to be somebody that's listening to share like keyword. Uh-huh. What is he talking? About? Yeah, what is that?
1: No, I thought you said there's somebody listening to this episode that actually knows what that is. Oh, <laughs> well there's that too. Yeah.
0: All right, and with keyword that vacation. We head into Alan's favorite portion of the show. It's the tip of the week.
1: Oh, hey, I'm the first tip. I was, uh, <laughs> sorry, I was – I got – so Alan uh, convinced me to hook up this beautiful camera. I was just looking at myself.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: What's up, you beautiful thing?
2: Oh, All right. that's amazing.
1: So which section are we on now? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here are the things I want to learn this year. Uh, so, uh, All right, uh, so t- yeah, it's the tip of the week. Uh, we're on the, the everybody the check your
0: camera uh, portion of the show.
1: Yeah. Well, we're going to start publishing these videos again just so you can see. Just <laughs> no coincidence that we're starting now. <laughs> All right. So uh, I actually have two tips, one of which uh, came up during the show. Uh turns out Manning has a ton of books on Audible, uh, 42 of them specifically as of the time of this recording. Uh, which is uh, amazing. A lot of them look really good. And uh, you can look at the reviews. And um, the reviews are kind of suspiciously high <laughs> for coding-type books. So I don't know. But you can get that C Sharp and Death, for example. It's only got two ratings. It's got four stars, which is believable. And actually, the, all the main ones I'm looking for are, are good. So I went ahead and looked at uh, other programming books on Audible. And there's lots of, like, Master Machine Learning in Four Weeks. You know, kind of like uh, back in the day, you used to see those, like, Learn C++ in 24 hours, were just a terrible joke. And you know, like I tell you the reviews are so obviously fake. They're like 378 of them. They all were written on the same day of the publication. Like everyone's la- first name and last name like sounds like identical. But, you know, look like they're all very similar, and, and all of them are basically reviews like the same sentiment just shuffled. But uh, the Manning books do look good. So I'm uh I, like like we said earlier, I picked up the one it was Everyday Machine Learning. So I'll be checking that out and let you know uh, how that turns out uh, as far as. It being an audio book, I've never done a book like that on audio, so we'll find out. Looking forward to the review. Yes, I'll let you know.
0: I just want to say that these actionable phrases help me out a lot. <laughs>
1: did you see that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the reviews are funny. I mean, so the, um, uh, the Manning books do not have this. I did. I did. I dropped a, another link in our chat to one of the books I was looking at. It was just ridiculous. And, like, there's something about the just looking at the names. You're like, these aren't real people. <laughs> It's like Stephen Smith. Next one, Smith Stephen. Third one, (laughs) Stephen Abacus. Well, next one, Abacus Smith.
0: It also looks like a lot of these names were like uh, made up by Stan Lee because like the first name and the last name start with the same letter.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. It just it looks totally like like someone just like went one after another, just not caring and just blasted through writing through hundreds of reviews. Yeah octo octavius peter parker (laughs)
0: james (laughs) j johanna jameson that's right
1: oh man whatever so yeah anyway check that out if you're audible and you've got uh, some credits to use up by the end of the year like i do all right, so here's the second one. So I used to say that you should keep a list of the three companies in your area that you would want to work for if you got fired today. And the reason, uh, like that, is because it gives you something to go after. So, like, you can look at the kinds of problems that solve, the kind of technologies that they use, and just start kind of focusing on that stuff. So, if you know the worst thing happens, or you just decide it's time to jump, then you uh, have a good basis to go and explore that. Now, so many companies are hiring remote. You developer listening to this podcast have so many more options than you had a year ago so i am saying hey why don't in addition to keeping a list of the three top companies in your area that you would want to work for if you got fired today or if you were looking for a job today why don't you also go figure out the three top for you remote companies that you would want to work for and if you don't know any, uh, we've got an article here that we'll, we'll link to, but um, some ones that uh, are pretty good, like GitHub, um, Mozilla, uh, Elasticsearch, Confluent, uh, Microsoft, Facebook. I mean, like, they're, that's not the ones listed in the article, but there's just some companies I know that are hiring remotely right now. And so if those are companies that you're interested in, I highly recommend checking it out and kind of tailing your resume and side projects and things that you are kind of listening to in podcasts and you know YouTube videos and whatever in, in order to to go get the job you want so I I' always bugged me when people uh, you know get a look go or, or start looking for jobs something bad happens at work and they are looking at the jobs that are available you know they're they're basically going to like a monstercom and looking for jobs where if you can get ahead of that, Get ahead of your need. You know, that's, of course, that's a luxury. You know, if you're already in that situation, I feel for you. But if you're at a job right now, there is no better time than to go out and figure out who you want to work for so that you're not beholden to what's available at the time you're looking. Because how much does it suck that so much of job transfers happen – when you get fed up with your current job, and it has a little to do with where you want to go next. I would much rather if you have a comfortable position now, you spend the time now when you're comfortable to figure out where you want to go with your career, and going at it from that angle.
0: That's good advice. Yeah, yeah. How much? Um, like, is it cliche of me that like you know, place number one is GitHub. <laughs> it, it is, <laughs> <Pretty good place. laughs>
2: yeah. It's very cliche of you outlaw.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm looking at this article you shared, and it was like number one GitHub.
1: Well, you know who else uh, is fully remote? GitLab. Oh, huh. yeah. well, they didn't That'd make the nice list too. here, so I blame yep.
2: you. <laughs> cool. All right, so. Mine, I've actually got a few. They're, they should be fairly quick. So the first one is iTerm, which if you're on a Mac and you're using the regular terminal, ditch that thing, get iTerm 2. Uh, I should probably get put a link to that up here. Uh, It'd be so. Appreciated. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> but if you do it, there's all kinds of features you get with it, like tab, split, browsing, all kinds of things. Like they, there's just a ton of features that makes it a better terminal to deal with. That said, it also pops up tips every time you open it, kind of like IntelliJ's things or 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 JetBrains tools do, right? Like you open it up, it'll give you the tip of the day or whatever. Well, there was one that came up that was just amazing. So if in an iTerm terminal, you do command, shift, and period, it will bring up a little window where you can paste in your commands and you can edit them before it'll actually execute them. So how many times you've been on a web page and it'll have like 10 commands in a row and you'll want to copy them, but you might need to edit something in it before you run it. And so it's always a pain because you either have to go open it up in Visual Studio Code or something else so that you can go in and munge it all up there and then bring it over and copy and paste it back into iterm That's kind of annoying, but if you just pasted it right into iTerm with the carriage breaks, it's going to execute each line, so it's just really annoying. With this, you could go over there and do the command shift period. It'll bring up that window, paste in your stuff, edit it right there, then hit run, and it'll execute them for you in line. So it kind of skips that step of having to go into an external editor, which I absolutely love. So
0: I've been using that a little bit lately. And uh, if you followed any of the... security related uh, information re- regarding just copy and pasting from a web page, then you really don't want to like immediately take it into a, uh, yeah. a console where it a run. Have you, have you heard about some of those tricks where no. it's like, like you got to be careful, like know you trust, know and trust the source. If you're going to copy and paste something and then, and, and to execute it, like if you're going to take it straight off the web page, copy it and then paste it directly into the clipboard or um, so not the clipboard, but your terminal, and execute it. There have been some sites where they'll have like text that isn't displayed because it's super easy to do with CSS, right? Just change the color of the font or something or, and, and, or the size or the size. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you would copy and paste uh, a a group of text and not realize that you got some malicious commands also. And, you know, you paste it in and depending on the, that sometimes there's already a new line that you're pasting in. So it would execute uh, before you even had a chance to see anything, see what had happened. And, you know, you might have like reverse, uh, reverse tunnel to shell back, you know, whatever. Geez, man. Yeah. You know. Well,
2: so this is a great tip then for that, because you'd be able to see it before it ever executed. So yeah, yeah, this, that's why
0: I was saying like that, that would be awesome. Like, Yeah.
2: That's beautiful. So definitely check that thing out. I will get a link in there to iterm too, as well. And then the next ones, all right, so we just did the shopping episode, which we all love. Like, that's a lot of fun. Joe always goes off and does something random that we can't expect, and then me and Outlaw go crazy buying stuff, right? Uh, virtually buying things. Wait, so,
1: virtually? Oh, virtually. Man. Okay, well, maybe, we, maybe we've maybe we made some of these it's things too late reality.
0: Cancel the order on that scorpion chair? Hold on.
1: <laughs> right. hey, my Bitcoin are doing fantastic. That cheese uh, setup they got? Man. <laughs> <laughs> wait wait My bitcoins they're up to 20k again man and I'm, I'm rolling it Not well, how about that dust. how about that that man,
2: bitcoin if you ever wanted something that would give you anxiety in life that's definitely
1: one of those things
0: which one's honestly doing better though the cheese dust or the bitcoin i think the cheese dust
1: yeah i have a lot more fun with the cheese dust it's gotta be the <laughs> sure. Bi-
0: no it has to be the bitcoin because the cheese dust is gone
1: oh that's right that's right. Oh, man, that stuff sticks around forever. Uh, it's it's uh, kind of like uh, uh, energy. you know. It can never be really created or destroyed. It just
2: <laughs> Like matter? Yeah. It, it's yeah. dark matter.
1: <laughs> yeah, it ends up uh, under your fingernails and in the couch for uh, years, years wow. and years.
2: That's awesome. All right, so on the other one. So this is something that I accidentally stumbled on the other day, and I don't know why I never thought of it. All right, so you're on Amazon. As You're, you're getting ready to buy, you're getting ready to buy a product, as you do, right? How do you know that's the best product? Like, you guys ever remember those days where eBay was just you knew that was where you're getting the best price, and then one day you realized that you weren't even getting close to the best price, right? And I'm pretty sure that Amazon is that same world now, right? Like you go there because you got your payment set up, it's really easy to do, whatever, right? So Capital One has a Chrome extension that's actually really good. If you install the Chrome in- extension, you'll have to, you know, sign up put up put, put your email or whatever up there. You can fake fake an email if you want. I I mentioned the Mozilla way of doing that previously. But go in and put that thing in. When you go to a page and it doesn't just have to be Amazon, it could be it could be any number of sites, walmart.com, amazon, home depot, right? Pick your place. You go up there and on Amazon, the integration is really nice. You find a product on the page right there next to the price. It'll actually have like a little thing saying, yeah, this is like a really good price for this product. Or it might say you can save $10 right now. Uh, check out where you can do it. You click a link and it'll show you, hey, if you buy this thing from walmart.com right now, you'll save 10 bucks, including shipping, right? So it will cross shop for you which is really nice. And then I think on top of it as well, I haven't seen this feature work yet. It will also go out and try and find coupons for you online. So if you're on one of those sites that's always got a freaking coupon box where you can punch in the coupon code, it will try to find the coupon code that will give you the best discount for what you're trying to buy. So they say, and I don't know how accurate it is, but they say like, if you buy two products a month, it'll save you like, I don't know, fifteen dollars or something, right? So, if you're somebody that buys a lot of stuff online, and especially during COVID this year, I'd venture to say a lot of us are buying a lot of garbage online. Garbage, you can, yeah, it's garbage. Whatever. <laughs> um, but you could probably save a lot. So, that said, that Chrome extension, I have a link to that. That one's really nice. Like, I I've seriously is, I'm impressed by it. There's another one. I just I was curious, I was like, why have I never thought of this before, right? Like I've heard of camel, 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 which allows you to sort of track prices of an item that which I think Joe, you mentioned to me probably, God, it's probably been eight years ago. You were like, yeah. Hey dude, check out this extension, right? Or this thing. Or so camel, tractor. Camel,
0: huh? Tractor, right? Tracker is oh,
2: another one. Yeah, yep. the, they're both, but yeah, you could totally pick an item and say, Hey, I'm interested in this hard drive, right? Notify me when it drops $15 or something. And you know, you'll get these notifications. Well, so there's another one I went to the categories under the Chrome extensions for shopping. And the very first one is called honey. So if you look at that one, it looks to do something similar to capital one, but I don't. I think it's as good, which is ironic because it has way more downloads and reviews than what the Capital One one does. But it looks like it's more similar to Camel Camel Camel, where it's watching the Amazon price and it's not cross-shopping a bunch of different sites. I think it does somewhat, but it it, it didn't seem to be as as well integrated as what the Capital One one is. So At any rate, check those out. If you want to save some money during the holidays, this is probably a really good way to find out if you're getting a good deal and all that kind of stuff. Oh, golly. So, all right. I'm going to give you one more tip. I'm going to throw this one in for free. I put it in the notes. So, here's another one.
0: One of the reasons. You know, you don't get paid by the
2: tip of the week, Alan. I apologize. I apologize. I'm trying to save you guys money. And I'm also trying to keep you safe online shopping. So, this is something that I actually, I think I might have, I don't know if Outlaw and, and Jay-Z knew about this or not. So while we might have complained about PayPal in the past, I use PayPal a lot. At, so we complained about it from a developer standpoint, but I use it a lot because it allows me not put my credit card information in on a bunch of different sites online, Right. I don't want to put my credit card in because eventually it's going to get hacked somewhere and then I'm going to have to go through a whole bunch of garbage to replace my credit card and and all that kind of stuff, right? Like, I don't like dealing with that. So here is a beautiful tip. If there's a website out there that takes credit cards, which most of them do, right? Uh, I don't know how you're going to pay elsewise in most cases. Apple Pay. Apple Pay could be one. But if they don't take PayPal... But you don't want to put your credit card up there. PayPal has a feature called PayPal Key. If you have a PayPal account, you can log into it and you can set up this PayPal Key, which is essentially a virtual credit card. So what it does is it gives you a credit card number that is a MasterCard number with an expiration and a security code. You can then take that, go back to the site where you wanted to buy something from, put in that virtual credit card number, and that will hit your PayPal account. So again, you're not having to expose your real credit card numbers anywhere. This is one that's tied to your PayPal account. And if that thing ever has a problem, you can go trash that thing, right? So it's a great way to be able to shop on some of these sites that maybe you wouldn't have gone to previously because you didn't want to put your information in there. You can go do that, do it more securely. And not have to bring your real stuff to go. So, all those, Joe, you kind of, you kind of doing your nose out. You like it, you, you hate it,
0: you what?
1: I was falling asleep. Sorry, what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, uh, I, I can, uh, I can do you one better on that um, PayPal uh, okay. uh, thing. If you like this idea, um, have you heard of privacy.com? I don't think I have. So <clears throat> imagine, what if you lived in a world where you go to some random website, uh, so you go to joebob.com and you want to buy a new uh, seat for your tractor, and you're like, well, yeah, but I don't know joebob.com very well, and I don't want to give him all my information. Well, with privacy.com, if you sign up for their service, you can create a credit card Specific to them They can only be used at joebob.com or whatever I said. Um, and you, so you can basically create like one time use credit cards. Oh, I love it. And they have like a free tier that you could do it. Um, which, you know, might be, might be sufficient enough. But the cool thing about those credit cards is that some of those credit cards can be, you can make them single use, but you could also like lock them to a specific merchant. Or you could so do like things your like Spotify
2: payments, right? Like, okay. If Spotify, you Spotify. That's a great
0: one. You could say yeah. like, what's, what's a Spotify, uh, uh, like $8 subscription or whatever. Let's say, let's say you Nine. want to like yeah. m- limit it to, uh, no more than, than $10. You're like, okay, if it goes up a buck, I'm fine. Right. And you could, you could, you could say like, Hey, this card is only for good for this merchant at, for this amount. And if they ever try to charge you any more, then they would fail. Or then if you're like, Hey, you know what? I don't want to use that service anymore. And I'm too lazy to figure out like how to unsubscribe. So I'm just going to like shut that card down. And then (laughs) the problem just goes away on its own. Dude. I love that. You can like obfuscate, you can actually obfuscate like your personal information too. Like if, if you don't want them to actually know your name, right? Like you could, you could hide all that. There, there's other details. I don't, I don't know how you would hide it in the case of an address. If you had wanted to have something shipped, uh, that probably wouldn't work out as well. But, you know, for a lot of like online services like your Spotify, for example, uh, you know, they don't need to actually know your real name and address. And so using privacy.com, you could like fake all that as well. So you (laughs) could be like Billy Bob at one, two, three street, you know, anywhere USA, and you know, here's here's your one-time use credit card that's only good at Spotify and only good for a certain dollar amount.
2: Dude, I think it might be even so. That's amazing. I'm looking at the page now. I, I pasted the link under your tips of the week here, but it's even better. So you can set spend limits. So that's I know you saying. talked about your
0: kids, right? Oh, that's like, cool. Yeah, that's yeah, what i was so saying. Like you could say, like you could only spend up to ten dollars a month on Spotify.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's so so if your kids are in college, right? You say, "Hey, I'm going to give you,
0: you know, $100 a month
2: for, you know."
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. The, okay, so so another way of saying that is like that that spend limit doesn't have to be specific to a to right. a given vendor. You could just make it like, "Hey, I you could give like, you know, uh, your mom a credit card and be like, "Hey, mom, like you can use right. this as much as you want." Uh, it's good for like x amount of dollars per month. Yeah, yeah. Amazing.
2: Yeah. So cool. Yeah, there's a link in the show notes for that. That's uh and you're right, the personal one's free. So that's that's amazing.
0: Yeah. Um okay. So, uh in keeping in the spirit of my uh dive into kubernetes, I thought, you know what? I should probably uh give out cuddle tips for a while.
1: Oh, that's uh, good. So
0: prepare yourself so, <laughs> uh, I thought, Hey, this one will be, uh, you know, I, I've get, I've given some coop cuddle ones before, but I don't think I've given this one specifically. So real simple, easy way. I'll have a link to the documentation for it because there's a bunch of different variations that you could do here. But the idea is let's say that you have a service spun up to front, like your web server or, you know, your database server or whatever, and, uh, you want to access that thing. And, uh, you know, locally on your, your computer to, um, uh, you know, investigate it or play around with it or whatever, you know, uh, maybe you don't have like a public facing, um, maybe a web server wasn't such a good idea. Cause you'd probably already have a public facing, uh, uh, IP address for that. But let's say that you didn't. So like, like go back to your database and you wanted it to be, um, specific to your clu- to your Kubernetes cluster, but you need to get access into it because maybe you want to run some queries, see some state of what's going on, or whatever. So you could easily uh, gain access to that by forwarding that service to a port locally, and you don't have to. Uh, you could take the shortcuts and use the syntax where you'd say kubectl port dash forward service slash whatever the name of the service is, and then your port colon their port. And, uh, like I said, that, that's just one example. There's, there's other examples on how you could port forward things like if it wasn't a service, but maybe it was a, a replica set or a deployment or whatever it is, um, you know, you could, you could specify that. And, and I actually put the shortcut, uh, name in there because with a lot of kubectl commands, you can, you know, instead of typing out service, you can type in SVC or, uh, you know, things like that. So you can, you can shortcut, um, you know, some some of that, uh, the, that part of the commands too. So,
1: you know, it always bothered me. You cannot uh, port forward uh, by a label. So you can't say like Cubicle cuddle port forward dash L and give it some sort of filter, even if you know there's only one. Like that's something I always wish I could do. But, but it makes I, sense know, it's one of those things where, Yeah, it's, it's really because, not set up. because, that, you know,
0: because the assumption is, is that with that, when you use the label, uh, Filter, you know, on your command that you're getting back more than the one thing. So like, how would it know like what thing to yeah. forward to? Like if, if you got back multiple things, then it's like, okay. Um, if you did like dash L, you know, app equal web, right? Like, cause you wanted all your web instances to come back. For example, maybe that had like a, a people equal, equal web label on it. Then, yeah. you know, if you got back like three of those things and you tr- wanted to port forward to that, which one is which one of those three is it going to port forward to? So, I, I mean, you can kind of understand where it would be um,
1: weird. So, yeah. And if you only have one of them, what's the point of really putting a label on it? Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's well, like there, it there's, there's different it. reasons I why you might want to use a uh, song. Goes. <laughs> <laughs> you, could, you could imagine reasons for why you would want to do that. But, uh, yeah, I just thought it was always kind of weird. It's like, oh man, I know there's only one. This is like a cute label that I know. What? And uh, I can't get there.
0: But, but okay. So, you were saying, like, hey, well, why would you put a label on it if you only have the one thing? But, Maybe this should be like another like uh, best practices kind of h- hint though, because like I really think that you should put the label on it, even if you are going to only have the one thing because you might not have the one thing tomorrow. You might have more of than one of it. And so it's just easier to like, you know, do things by label. And plus you don't have to worry about like, Oh, I want to describe this thing. And if it, let's say you only had the one, if you wanted to go by port by label name, you don't have to know like the specific pod your random character that got added to the end of it, you know? Well,
2: it, even taking it a step further and this is getting way far in the weeds, though. Labels work with selectors, right? So yeah, you, you might you have, have to have, to have, to have the, label the label in order to even do some of the other things that you need to do. That's right. Good point. So That's good point. even outside of the best practices, you got to have it
0: in so certain situations. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, with that, I will leave you with some closing jokes. Um, I think my son wrote this one. He, he's the author of this one because he didn't, um, he did not not take credit for this one. So I'm going to tell it to you and you tell me if you think he's the author or not. Um, you ready? Here we go. A priest, an atheist, and a rabbit walk into a blood drive. The rabbit says, I think I'm a typo. <laughs> That's pretty good. The delay is what always gets me the
2: most. <laughs> it took me a second. It took me a second. <laughs> All right,
0: one one last one uh, as as your your parting wish from Super Good Dave. And I know, Alan, you were especially going to love this one as a uh you know because big data that was like one of the things you said right for your your exciting things. Um. Which I don't think, by the way, hey, can we call shenanigans on that? Is it too late to call shenanigans on that, Joe, for for Alan to claim that like the thing he's excited about for 2021 is big data when that's the thing he said he's been excited about for like the last, I, I don't know, how many years have we known Alan? That's all he's ever been excited about, but whatever. I'm still excited about basketball, right? Okay. So I, so, so I was five. <laughs> yeah, that's, true.
1: that's true. So that's
0: always the same things. <laughs> uh, but but uh, here you go a new database query walks into a bar. The server says, sorry, cash only.
1: Awful. I love it. Uh,
0: I like it. All right. So, (laughs) Hey, if you have some dad jokes and you're like, Oh, I should share these awful things with the world. Uh, yeah, hit me up. However you need to find me, uh, on Slack, you know, you can find me at Michael or on Twitter, uh, you know, or wherever, find me. You can find me. That's probably good enough, right? Uh, I know who you are. Come on. Do we I can know? I find you. Do I? Oh, oh, that's what you mean. I was like, uh, where's this going? <laughs> this is awkward. Uh. Yeah, so... Uh, with that, subscribe to us on, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you like to find your podcast apps, uh, you know, find your podcast. And if you can't find us there, let us know and we will be sure to correct that problem. And, uh, yeah, you know, Alan's going to go and update the, the link to remove the Stitcher stuff, but you know, you can find the helpful link <laughs> for <laughs> reviews at, uh, dub net slash review. Hey, and while you're
2: up there at CodyBlocks.net, you can check out our show notes, which are amazing, our examples, discussions, and, more. and make sure you comment on this, right? And leave some thoughts. I'm sure we threw some questions up here, so throw your thoughts up there. Oh, oh, and send your, your questions, feedbacks, and
1: rants especially. Rants go to Slack. <laughs> Very nice. And, uh, hey, make sure to follow us on Twitter at CodingBox or head over to Codebox.net and we'll find all the Just links at the top of the page. I feel like we just said that. I give up. <laughs>